Welcome back to the Acatech Podcast. As always, I'm your host. I know Flylist, Jay. And doing as always is my co-host, Insect Discrimination, Z. How are you doing today, Z? I'm doing all right. It's fun. Got a little chuckle out of you for that. You know, it's a, it's, it's really, it's like a, I'm feeling true neutral this week. Really? Just neutral? Because we had a good show and a bad show. Yeah, we had no, we had no incredible film like, uh, name out of a hat, Gran Torino. Based on Turismo. Turismo? Torino? Gran Torino is the one with... Right, I had the, I ran into that problem. I couldn't quite remember the name, and I looked up Gran Torino, and then it was Clint Eastwood, and I was like, this can't be... <laughs> good movie. Good movie. Uh, no, we haven't seen Gran Turismo based on our true story yet. No. We will, though. Don't, don't everyone worry. Don't everyone We'll probably see it in conjunction with... for baiting, baited breath. And Haunting with Venice, because that's next yeah, that's week. That's true. Haunting, Haunting in Venice is awesome. This so maybe, maybe it'll get pushed back another week. A little bubble feature. We'll see. But we did watch this week. We'll start with episode four of Ahsoka... Fallen Jedi. Woo! Wow, another good one, I would say, off the bat, if you need to get my take out there. Oh, I think a very solid, very dark, though. When on the planet, it's it's, it's, a, it's a dark. Oh, yeah. Visually. Visually, it was dark. Not so, not very light otherwise, but... No, it's totally, it's also kind of dark. Um, let's start with a title. So it's called Fallen Jedi, uh, which is one of these classic titles that they do for these Star Wars shows where it could be referring to any number of individuals. Mm-hmm. I think it's neat, right? Because in a manner of speaking... You could make the argument that both Balon and, and Ahsoka so. are fallen Jedi, and fallen Jedi is the plural of fallen Jedi. So, could be anything. Know, it could be either or both of them, which is cool, and maybe even a third surprise character for from later. Surprise character, right. or maybe Sabine a little bit, maybe, which is all kind of cool. And I guess Shin kind of counts, but she's they're not. all kind of fallen Jedi in a manner. Not, not Huang, 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 Huang. He's, right. He's a robot. I guess even in the Inquisitor, the Inquisitor was presumably a fallen Jedi at one point. Yeah, and the Night Sister was kind of just around. That's the only hair and uh, well, Jason Solo, uh, Jason Solo, J- Jason Sindula isn't. He's not a Jedi yet, so he can't fall if he don't no, become not one. Quite yet. He's on the rise though. Yeah. So rising, rising Jedi? Jedi. Yeah, likely. Uh, crouching Tiger, Rising Jedi, or Hidden Jedi. So <clears throat> we're you know right where we left last week. So they've they've landed on the planet here. And they're gonna try to stop the 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 villains here from uh, making a ship to another galaxy. Yeah, using the using the map thing to get to the new galaxy to find Thrawn. Cool. And we start with Ahsoka being like, "Hey, Sabine. By the way, like this is this is a big deal. It's a really big deal. So I gotta know that like if push comes to shove, it's more important that we prevent them from having it than we keep it for ourselves. Like if we have to destroy it to keep it out of their hands, that would be the best for everyone. And Sabine's like, "Yeah." I'll totally do that. Wink, wink. I would... My fingers totally aren't crossed right now. <laughs> she's like, I know you love Ezra and you want to kiss him or whatever, but... We, or we maybe can't. he's your brother. It's, it's it's as of yet still unclear. I'm the only family you have left, whatever that could mean. But... We can't let evil Admiral Nazi get back. And she's like, we'll see. We'll and see. She's like, that, the answer does not inspire a lot of confidence. No, I, really, I, I cannot stress enough how much this guy cannot come back. I was really hoping for more of a yes or no out of here, but... Uh, so Hu Yang's like, all right, I'm going to stay at the ship. And they're like, all right, we're going to go fight us, try to stop them. Right? That's the gist of it. Hu Yang gets mocked, tries to fight, gets some really sick moves. He can really oh, yeah. throw down. They, before they head out fully, the, the assassin droids show up and Hu Yang does some fighting, which is cool. I love a droid fight. There's punch, they're also just punching <laughs> there, though. It's not like they don't have weapons. Yeah. They're just fist fighting. Very fun. I would have thought Hu Yang would have like a lightsaber or something, being the lightsaber droid. That's true. He probably has a couple just rattling around. Yeah, I mean, he's got to have a couple he's on He's got all the parts, or he used to. That's what's in his backpack or whatever. So. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me of, like, Real Steel. Yeah. Like robot boxing. I was like, these guys are just duking it out. It was great. Very good. Ahsoka says the line. 
She says, we don't want Thrawn to return as heir to the Empire, and everyone went, woo. She said that a couple of times. They all say it at least once. Had they said it, though, actually, yet, or were you just thinking of the trailer? Or maybe I'm just thinking of the trailer. I thought that Hera said it, or Ahsoka said it again. Maybe. Maybe she did. It's still great every time you hear it. Because that book everybody's read, and by everyone I mean a couple 30-year-olds a long time ago. <laughs> that book is, like, coming up on... Oh, no, I think it... Or, no, it was 25th anniversary, like, three... Yeah, so it's coming up on 30 years real yeah. soon. Old ass book, if you, in a manner of speaking, way too old to be still referenced <laughs> in Star Wars. Uh, Balon, man, Ray Stevenson's great, right? Timmy died. It's, Rest in it's, peace. It's such a, and it, it almost feels reductive to say like it's a shame that this person died because they're good in this TV show, but uh, he's an actor, and this is our exposure to him. So, yeah. sure, I, if we knew him as a man, we'd be sad for that right, too. But we we know him through his art, and uh, in that sense, it is bad because he's very good in this yeah. he's got a real gravity to him in this show for sure yeah, he's go you need he's not just some weird inquisitor he's an actual clone wars trained jedi who like knew what jedi he were all really about is, and i do think he encapsulates a different kind of villain um for star wars or not necessarily but i, I just mean in the sense he's not a traditional sith lord where he's very angry mm-hmm. or like whatever kyle ren was who also was often angry he's really not yeah, he's pretty reserved he's pretty, pretty reserved he's clearly a bad guy and all um, but yeah, there's something else. He's it's much almost like he's inhabiting some sort of middle ground, Jack, like perhaps a gray area <laughs> between the two. He's working in the shades of gray, I suppose. <laughs> Good old gray Jedi. Uh, I think he's he also kind of like Thrawn because he's like not an idiot. He's yeah. very much like a, he doesn't get too confident. He takes steps to make sure nobody can stop his plans, uh, which I think is always, always nice to see because, you know, Star Wars is always very much, you know, playing on the hubris of the villains. Mm-hmm. Which I like you said, he doesn't. It's not like I said that he very much doesn't have, unlike a Dooku or a Grievous or a Darth Vader or all them. Mm-hmm. So he's interesting. Uh, they kill a bunch of people, which is fun. I do think this is a fun little fight scene. Ahsoka using her blaster or her lightsabers, and Sabine using her her Mandalorian stuff, and they work in conjunction well. I think that's cool. I really do think the lightsaber stuff is really good in the show and continues to be for the rest of this episode. Actually, yeah. Uh, Hugh Yang's like, hey, don't split up. Maybe stay together, fellas. They're like, well, t- we totally will the whole episode. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We're totally gonna. Sw- I promise. And it turns out that would have been really solid advice for them. Mm-hmm. Um. Then we cut to Hera, and she's like, "All right, well, last episode, um, Kaz's dad from Resistance was like a real piece of shit. shit. So I'm just gonna go by myself." And they're like, "You're literally the general. Are you sure you should just leave?" And she's like, "I've already, I'm I've already, already decided. Doing it, aren't I? Yeah. What should I tell the poor well, people? As you've previously mentioned, I am the general." Who's going to stop me? <laughs> and she gets on her ship with her, her uh, I don't know, 10-year-old son. That's a, <laughs> that was, a strange choice, Harry. I, don't, I, don't I would agree. I'm not certain of that one, but, you know. Well, you know, we're going to go be the worst guy I've ever met. Let's go uh, <laughs> bring my son. There's two, like, force wielders with lightsabers on my ship, and they'll probably sense my son's power and do, like, the thing that evil forces always do and <laughs> steal the child who can use the force. It'll be all right, though. It'll all right. It'll, it'll all work out, because I got Chopper. I got this old-ass war vet robot. They love all right, we can play with you. Yeah. This is just for you. You can cut this all out. What do you think he says? Uh? Um, one more time. Like, I can't really, like... I think he says, yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> I, I, the first one goes, yeah, that, yeah, that's all I can make up, but it, it does kind of sound like that. I'm getting real good at, like, deciphering Chopper we'll speak. See. Yeah, once you say it, you can kind of hear it. That's funny. <laughs> I love Chopper. He's great. It's funny, too, because he's, like, also Harris' son or whatever. So I I did think this was a funny line. He's like, Mom, how come I have to do what I what you say and you don't? And she's like, Well, when you're a general, you can do whatever you want. 
which is you know yeah. classic like play on the whole like well when you're a grown up you can do whatever you want. yeah you can buy all the ice cream you but can it's just eat. like yeah when you're literally a general in a military then you can you know you can call the shots I mean when you can plant command fleets of men you can send men to die whenever you please you kind of get to kind of take some liberties <laughs> it's funny that chopper two is like yeah mom why, how come we do have to listen hey wait hey, a minute I've been in two wars now <laughs> I've been in so many wars I'm a I'm a veteran and I listen to you double time but do you know how many men I've killed. <laughs> Hundreds. I've bombed people you couldn't even hope to know. Do you realize, Jason, how many deaths I've caused? <laughs> Jason, they haunt me to this day. I asked your mother, why them. If I had a soul, it would surely be damned. <laughs> when I die, I'll go to whatever is waiting for me and accept it. Huh? What did you say, Chopper? Remember it. The deaths hang heavy on me, Jason, but they were necessary. Now I just hope that he speaks normal when Jason's <laughs> sleeping. And when he goes, oh, Chopper, he goes, whatever now. The cause was just, Jason. <laughs> They told me. The means. You know, Jason, it's not the screams that haunt you. It's the silence. <laughs> ah, good on him. Uh, we got that fun guy from The Mandalorian. Right, so what do we think of this? I thought you should bring more guys. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's fine. But I just mean the sense that that's... Obviously, there's there's a, a reaction from some people to be like, Oh, this guy? Oh, Glopshido. Glopshido. I don't think this is a Glopshido. I'm going to say it, Jack. He's not a glupshito. I'm just gonna say it. He's cool. My thing is, right? And we've talked. About, I've been battling against this all season long with this show in particular. Is I don't think that's really an issue because he's just a character that would make sense to appear. Yeah, he's an X-wing fighter. If this was like pilot, should say. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm. If it was just Lando or something, how do you know? But Lando's too main of a character. Um, if he was like a clone trooper or something. You know, some random character from, like, the Clone Wars or some other character from Rebels. If it was just Hondo there, yeah. you'd be like, is this a glup shit? Are we playing on the glup shit of it all? Mm. But, yeah, this is a pre-existing X-Wing New Republic pilot character. And they're like, well, the story calls for some X-Wing pilot. pilots. I think that's I think that's fine. And it's reasonable because he only appears in live action stuff, really. So if you've watched the live, if you're only someone who likes live action and you watch The Mandalorian and you watch it, you'd be like, oh, that's the guy I know from The Mandalorian. Yeah, this is fine. I just don't think it's a big deal. Me neither. I think we're all right. I don't know. I I, I feel like the glop shit on this gets overplayed almost. I feel like it's become too too like mainstream. It's become the very thing it's sort of destroyed. Yeah, now we'll, we'll, which we'll talk about a little further on. But um, people are a little too too. I think too easy to glub their shittos. Yeah, they're too they're who, who too quick I mean, to glub their shittos. I mean, who up glubbing their shittos? Because it used to be like. Back in my day, Jack, it was like, oh, glub shitto is when I was when I go on my rants about like four LOM. Zuckus. He's a glove shit or Zuckus or like, you know, Nick Sant or like one of the, the like the Jabba dancers or whoever. Max Rebo even, right? God bless Max Rebo. But this Rebo. is a character. This is like a real character with like speaking lines and stuff. And I know that the, the meme like originated from like someone showing up in a live action show. So that's kind of what I mean. But it, I don't know. I guess I just don't know what it's supposed to mean anymore. Well, I mean, it's just the internet thing. Someone takes it and they take it too far, and it's been it's been warped. And yeah, I guess Carson Teva is probably a glupshitto to a certain extent. I mean, in the sense that ninety nine point nine percent of people would never know who Carson Teva was. Mm-hmm. But also, again, in the terms of this, I I feel like it's it's just in the sense that it's taken on a negative connotation, where I feel like it means like oh, it's just a ham fisted like a like a shoehorned in reference character. Yeah. I don't think in that sense he's a glove shooter because I don't think it was like unnecessarily shoehorned in. Again, I think it's just like, well, we may as well use at least a character we know. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too much about it. Probably. It's very probable. She lets, she lets Jason punch it. I think that's fun. I think it'd be a fun thing to do if you're a kid. Yeah. To punch the hyperdrive lover. 
All, all the kids want to. I would love to. Uh, so we're back on the planet. We're doing the thing. And she's like, all right, I'm going to do my witch magic on this orb and calculate our jump. And he's like, you better not fuck it up or we're going to be lost in space. There's a lot of empty space out there in space, if you don't remember. You've seen the show Lost in Space, haven't you? We'll, we'll be like them. Uh, what's... Uh, he's talking about calculations and stuff. The depth of the void and whatnot. It's good, it's good stuff. And she's all like, don't even worry about it, Balon. Talking about oh, this was good. Yeah, she was like, have faith. And he's like, faith? And I lost that a long time ago. I thought that was actually kind of cool. Line. It's pretty cool. Um, he eats witchcraft. He's like, fucking witchcraft. Crumble, crumble. We see the whole big orb thing from the trailers, which obviously we'll get to. But that's kind of cool. And they begin getting the coordinates. And so... Uh, Sabine and Ezra, or Sabine and uh, Soka, I mean, are, are racing to stop them. So they encounter Shin and uh, Merrick again, and we do a little double fight. Uh, Sabine and uh, Shin have to do their rematch, and same with Ahsoka and Merrick. Um, again, just really solid lightsaber fights, I thought. Oh, yeah. uh, they kind of go off and battle each other. At first, Sabine is not using her, I mean, I guess Ezra's lightsaber. She's kind of just using her guns to blast him away. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's good. And then she switches to the lightsaber, and they duke it out for a bit. And then at one point, her helmet gets blown off, um, which I thought would come into play. And she tries to, she gets knocked over, and tries to force push Shin, and Shin, like, reacts in a way like she's about to be. She's like, oh, wait, you suck. You're actually garbage at this. Um, when she does that, obviously Ahsoka's fighting, what's his name? Merrick. Merrick. Uh, and, you know, gets him because she's great. She's only using one lightsaber, which is, I find interesting. I feel like it kind of makes sense in, in so far as, like, it would probably be better for dueling one-on-one. Yeah, that's, I was thinking that too. Maybe she has or just it looks cooler. It really, yeah. There's a long one. She kind of has like doing a. I guess I mean all of Star Wars lightsaber duels are just samurai battles, but doing a more. Well, I think samurai. this one leans into that more. There definitely yeah. is like, and that's something I I've I've grown to really appreciate about Star Wars. Right? There's a lot of people who who have like hard and fast preferences, right? Mm-hmm. For why like oh the ones in the original trilogy are better and the prequel ones are too fast or like the um sequel battles right the lightsaber fights are too like uh people say they're too kind of uncoordinated like it just looks like two people kind of wailing on each other wailing on each other without enough finesse um and then there's people say like the prequels are too fast or the the original trilogy is dumb and slow and the the prequels are the only ones worth and like i feel like i've i'm of the opinion that like they all bring different interesting things again it's one of those things where you can't think about it too much in the sense of like, well, look how fast Anakin and Obi-Wan are, and look how slow Obi-Wan and Darth Vader are. Clearly, Anakin from the past could, like, oh, bo- bo, they would e- easily beat each other. They're no, And it's like, yeah, I don't think you can really look at it like that. Um, I think it's a lot more about, like, you know, the intent of each individual story. <laughs> Which is a thing I, we often kind of say, is like, what? Come on. What do you actually think? And, and so, I think for, like, this show is displaying a number of lightsaber of fight styles though which i really like because we have shin and sabine which is a more like quick and they are kind of almost more of that uh sequel style where the two of them are both not untrained but definitely lesser trained and they do kind of wail on each other a bit they're just cutting down trees and kind of swinging wildly as hard as they can just to hope to be faster than the other person Mm -hmm. but then i really liked the ahsoka mark one here which was very slow and calculated in that samurai movie kind of style Right down to, like, the final blow there is, like, a classic samurai movie kind of move, right? Um, they both charge up to do one quick motion and mm-hmm. whoever strikes whoever strikes best. And it's like the... Uh, Kenobi. It's like twin, yeah, it's like Twin Sun, which yeah. is really cool. And then Merrick explodes into a 
bunch of dust because he was like an old vacuum cleaner. Bunch of green mist pours out of him. I think that's so cool. Uh, but yeah, he yeah, a bunch of green like misty dust shit like explodes out of him, and he kind of dissolves away. So it seems like um, the general consensus seems to be that he was somehow the product of uh, Elsbeth's uh, night sister magic mm-hmm. to some extent, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's what I called or we've been calling since the beginning, right? The whole like Morgan Le Fay and Marek and the whole. The, uh, Turn into a wolf and all different, that. yeah, literary references at play with which I guess I didn't even realize, but like Shin and Balon are also um, different, like wolf mythological references in of themselves. Really? Yeah, I think they're. I think those are Norse. I think Shin is the one who eats the sun or something, and Balon is the one who eats the moon. It might be. Um, I'll give it a look. See, sure. Uh, but yeah, I really like that sword fight. And then, I mean, this is kind of like a dumb, like you know. Just classic narrative conceit here is when Ahsoka and is the classic like, go ahead, I'll take care of her, right? Mm, yeah. Which is like, well, if we really like, if we really thought about it, we wouldn't, we wouldn't really be saving time, in the sense that like, if you just came over here and then we presumably quite easily double teamed Shin, killed her real fast, oh, yeah. likely. Ahsoka just pulls out of the lightsaber, she's done. Maybe Ahsoka could just kill her by herself because Ahsoka beat Mark, and I don't know, like, you know. Sabine seems to give her a pretty... I don't know. Surely Ahsoka's better than Shin, is all Absolutely. I'm saying. I, I just feel like that must be the case. And then the two of us can then double-team Balin instead, but instead it's like, all right, let's, let's split up so that ones. Yeah, we can keep the theme of apprentices and masters. Yeah, which, fine. But. So I checked. Uh, it's not their first names that are references. It's their last names. Oh, okay. So Balin's Skull and Shin, Hades. Yeah. And Hades chases the moon and Skull chases the sun. Classic. Nice. So, and then they eat it at Ragnarok. Good stuff. Good stuff. Castle, can't wait for Ragnarok. That's just a real world thing I'm looking forward oh, to. Yeah? Oh. yeah, when Jorman Gunder awakens and all the world yeah. sinks and the Fimble Winter Loki's and all that. Loki's many children wreak havoc on the, on yeah. the earth. I get it. Fenrir breaks free and devours the earth. Yeah, that's cool. That'd yeah. be cool. And then all the wars of Valhalla are freed and take up arms. I mean, they've been waiting long enough. I reckon we have to do something with it. Yeah, Heimdall blows the, what's the horn? I don't know. Horn of Valir? Yeah, probably. All the all the Arthur Hawking comes back. Am I mixing my metaphors? The great heroes of legend. <laughs> yeah, and then anyway, uh, so we do we do the master thing. Ahsoka gets to the planetarium. <laughs> she goes, "Ooh!" And she's like, "Wow, this is cool." And she's like, "All right, oh. Balin, it's time for our f- face off here. We've been building this for a good four episodes now." And he's like, "Indeed." Yeah, I'm wearing my hood up this time because it was chilly. And she's like, "And he's like, I'm gonna remove this." And he's, she's like, "I also shall remove my cloak." Dramatically. That'd be cool. She's like, I know Anakin Skywalker. He spoke highly of you. And Sork was like, never even heard of you, Bo. <laughs> he didn't mention you at all. Which is, I think, a fun it's like, that hurts. retort to that. If he's going to try to get under your skin by being like, ooh, I knew your master. And she, he's, she's just like, eh, I, don't, I don't know you uh, at all. Funny if uh, next episode, whoever shows up at the end is like, hey, you know Balin? I haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> so, you know, they're having, again, they're digging a bit. He's clearly just trying to get under her skin, I think, more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, which I would like, I think she's, she seems to be mostly above that at this point. I think perhaps there's a time, probably around maybe even Rebels, where that would have maybe hurt her more. Is the yeah. whole like, oh, you abandoned your master, you abandoned him, and he's dead. But then I think perhaps knowing what became of him helped that. Probably, yeah, helped then being like, well, it's not my fault. It's a similar thing that Obi Wan goes through, right? Where he's like, well, it's not my fault. Yeah, you you did all this. It's not. Uh, there's no. You know. It's you not my fault. You went to the opera with the chancellor. Yeah, you can't blame any one of us on this. Um, but yeah, he's like, you know, I'm not a Jedi anymore, and I'm gonna support the 
Batting gore is pretty cool. It's, it's, it's still a bit unclear what his motives are exactly because he's just like, no, it's going to be good because change. Change to what, though? What do you, like, just another empire? Is that what you want? Like, that's what you're into? I f- When I heard this, I figured his plan was to just jump to the next galaxy and just stay there and just do the, a Jedi again. Oh, to be like, future? now I can't, now I have, now we have a map. Now we can get to the other galaxy. Once Thrawn comes back, I don't care. But once we get there and back, I can take the coordinates and take Shin, and we can go do the Jedi somewhere I else. Thought of that, that maybe he's more interested in what's there, not in what's yeah. bringing there back. That's cool. Because yeah, he's all like, oh, I don't want to do a war, but I'm cool with Thrawn doing a war. Yeah, because he calls it an unfortunate evil. He talks about how you got to destroy order into in order to create, and I'm like, but create what? What does he work again? Yeah, I've, the vibes I was getting is that either, I mean, like I said, in the other galaxy at this one, he wants to do the Jedi again. The way he sees it, because yeah. obviously, like Huyang said, his lights, him and Shin's lightsaber, light, Shin's lightsaber is very similar to old Jedi ones. So clearly, he's holding on to whatever yeah, he still believes there. in, um, even though his lightsaber is red or orange or whatever the hell. Um, I thought Ahsoka would comment on that. Truthfully, the yeah. color of his blade to be like, "What are you? It's a weird Sith color." I don't know. It's weird. It's it's. I feel like I saw somewhere, but this I saw this like secondhand that Dave Filoni said there's not really meant to be much significance to their blade. He just thought it looked kind of cool, but then they really do like you can see them when they're next to Marek that their lightsabers are a different color. It's not just like oh the red ones look a little bit off in this show. It's again theirs are orangish. Yeah, so it's I don't know. Hard, yeah, it's hard to especially in the first scene they're introduced in all that light they're very clearly orange. Yeah, in this darker light they're they the tint has changed and they look more red. But like yeah, like you said, Marek's like are much more red. Like the one I got that I'm one's almost light. completely orange now. Yeah, it has lost all the yellow. Has it? Yeah. How did that work? I don't know. Um, but yeah, we have a good, this is a cool fight. Again, this is a little bit more of like a slower methodical thing where they like clash and then they kind of both reform and clash again. Again, like kind of reminiscent of the Obi-Wan Maul fight from Rebels, which is really does remain one of my favorites. Um, it's just cool. I guess it's just a fun lightsaber fight. I don't know. I like it. I'm a fan. Yeah, it's a very classic one. They, but they, I think it does a, a good healthy mix of like prequel and original trilogy. Because like you said, they do like slow, but they're not. But they're like they move fast when they're fighting. Like they're doing a lot of flips and jumps and spins. Mm-hmm. Like they're keeping mobile, but keeping that like more calculated move. They call it a hinge. I thought that was kind of neat. I was like, I just like when Star Wars just does stuff like that. There's a rock out of that's fun. Star Wars has a tendency to just use real words for all kind of stuff from all kind of cultures and things. Like, mm-hmm. like in um. The Book of Bullfett when he's just the daimyo of Tatooine. I like they they you know they use the word dojo. Like there's lots of words where it's like if you you know kind of pay attention to it, it's like yeah these are a lot of these are not only not even like English words, but these are loan words from other uh, Earth languages, and that gets mm. even harder to kind of piece together and wave away. But I think it's yeah. fun. So why not just call the henge looking thing a henge? What yeah. else would you call it? Yeah, it's, I mean we've already got the word. Why reinvent the wheel with this? I think it's fun. I thought it was interesting. Um, when it were where the shot where um they cut back to the shin and um Sabine fight where we see her helmet like cast away and mm. the camera pulls down on it. So clearly that's important. I thought she was gonna do a quick force move and pull it towards her or like grab it and hit her with the helmet, like a knockout. Um so that means something. I assume what the way I took it was like um she's disregarding the Mandalorian part of herself when she's fighting mm. with the lightsaber. Uh, but she just some cool Mandalorian tricks at the end. So that's the thing. I think maybe that this is a sign that she needs to kind of pick or have both or yeah. use both more so. Because yeah, this we really have for most of the show thus far seen her pretty much only seem to 
tried to be a Jedi. And then, you know, at the end of uh, last episode there, she, like, puts her armor back on. And she's like, actually, this is part of me, too. And so I think it's good in this episode that she, like, embraced that, too. Because, yeah. Why would you just try to have a lightsaber fight? I mean, we've talked about this a lot. But, like, the whole point of a lot of those gadgets, <laughs> stuff the Mandalorians pretty much invented them to fight Jedi with. Yeah. And now she's fighting this Force user. And she's like, might as well use this. Guess I'll just try to fight her with my subpar lightsaber skills. And it's like, you yeah, may as well bust out. Well, maybe, your gadgets. maybe what Kanan said took her to, to shit to heart. She's like, hey, remember the history when we beat your stupid culture with yeah. our cool lightsabers? A little too close to home. Uh, Shin shows back up, so Ahsoka's pretty mad about that. I do like that um, Sabine kind of like plays off of Shin's arrogance. Well, because in the beginning, like the, to start off the fight, Shin clearly intentionally draws Sabine away by, by like taunting her, and then mm. she separates them, right? But then at the end of the fight... Uh, when Sabine's like, hey, Sokka, you go on ahead. I think that's Sabine playing off of Shin. Because Shin's like, oh, you think that you can beat me? Like, you don't need any help kind of thing? Like, she takes that personally. And I think that throws her off her game. Mm. And uh, that's probably part of the reason Sabine gets the one up on her. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Sokka rips the thing off, the map off during their fight. But it's, like, hot. So she burns her hand. And then she's kind of uh, disabled slightly. And then Sabine rolls up. And she's like, I'm going to shoot it. And Balin's like, bet you won't, and knocks Ahsoka off. <laughs> and then they have this whole this whole showdown here. Oh, one other thing. That's what it was. I just want to mention, earlier in the episode, um, Ahsoka calls them the enemy. I just think that's cool. I don't know. I like when when uh, sort of fantasy sci-fi settings just use, just call the enemy the enemy, but like capital E. I don't know. I always think that's neat. Well, also before. It's usually just the empire or whatever, but it's like yeah. the enemy. So it was good. Also before Sabine shows up, Shin shows up first, and kind of Ahsoka get. Kind of gets full of emotion because she oh, thinks yeah, she, she's worried. That Sabine is dead. She kind of just kind of force grabs her and throws her into a rock real quick. And Villain's like, "Well, don't do that. You can't do that. You can't get mad about your apprentice and hurt my apprentice. That's not very fair." Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that happens. And then Sabine shows up, and so he goes bye bye over the cliff. Uh. And Sabine kind of shoots at Balin. And there's a thing I like where he kind of blocks the lightsabers, the blaster shots, very like, very mechanically, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. Um, and basically, he calls her bluff and is like, "You're not gonna, you're not gonna break that orb. I know all about you. I got force mind reading, maybe, or seems? just research. It's hard to tell. I mean, <laughs> he knew who she was. Remember, like when he was like, Shin, you got to go to Lethal. That's where Sabine lives, and that's Ahsoka's apprentice. former apprentice. So it's not really clear, clear but it's probably a little bit both. But <clears throat> we get <clears throat> we get something of like a bombshell here, don't we, for Sabine's character? Because mm. he's like." Hey, uh, I know that I know about Ezra. I know he's like the only family you think you have left because your whole family died on Mandalore. <laughs> I have a thousand tears, I guess. And Gideon like, got her too. Jeez, and it's something I'd never, for some reason, never really occurred to me because I was like, I don't know, those are like named existing characters. They're probably safe, but maybe they just weren't. I mean, I'm not, I'm not totally inclined to take the everything he says. Yeah, the bad, the villain here, completely at face value for what he said. But I also do think that there's a. There is a decent chance that that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that her family is. I mean, it makes sense. I, you know, Sabine's mom was one of um, Bo-Katan's l- lieutenants during the Clone Wars. And then, like, <clears throat> her family obviously supports her during the, the Civil War. Civil War. And, and, like, you know, Sabine's the one who gives her the Darksaber and all. So it kind of stands to reason that, like, they would have stuck with her through the end there. And so the fact that, like, we never see them in The Mandalorian Season 3... Will lead you to believe that, that they're not around anymore. When she as- reassembles the Night Owls and Sabine's family isn't anywhere to be found as part of that, that kind of does kind of stand to reason that, like, oh, maybe maybe they are dead. They've been dead this whole time. 
Just... And maybe that's again why like Sabine is wanting to repress that part of herself mm-hmm. is because it just makes her sad. Because all our because fa- your whole planet got nuked. I wonder because I think does she know that Mandalore is back together that they're they're so back? Not it's so- not. Um, you know, there's stuff where like there's conflicting um ideas about what exactly the timeline at mm-hmm. play here is. Yeah. In relation to the Mandalorian season three, so I but I'm gonna say no. She definitely doesn't. Whether or not it's happened yet. Yet. She, either way, she doesn't know yet. But I think I said that earlier in the season. I was like, she really doesn't have anywhere to belong because she failed at being a Jedi. She can't be a rebel anymore because the, the war's war is over. over. And she can't be a Mandalorian anymore because Mandalore's gone. Like it doesn't exist as a as a culture even any longer, hardly. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a tough thing for her. I can empathize with her character and why she's done this, although it is a hard thing to watch. It's given the given the thing over to the bad guys and going along with them, isn't it? Yeah. Shin gets a little bit of her revenge when she wakes up from her rock nap. She just force force chokes the shit out of her. Mm-hmm. So that kind of leads in a they're doing Balon probably knows some uh, Sith techniques because if he's teaching oh, her yeah. them, yeah, Force yeah. Lightning, he breaks the Force Lightning, would be pretty sick. That would be kind of cool to see. And if he called it Force Judgment. But it, but it would be better because he's evil. So it'd be like a That's corrupted just Force Lightning. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine he's like, I call this technique corrupted judgment. <laughs> Something like that. So just like a normal, like, so just, just like, like the Force Lightning then, right? It's like, no, it's not. It's 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 different. And he breaks the map. Yeah, he destroys it then after they're finished using it, which is tough because it's going to make it hard to follow them. Um, so it's going to be pretty much, well, as we see here, going to be, I guess, pretty much entirely up to Sabine to somehow get them through because um, uh, Hera and her her task force here are like, they're like, all right, we're going in, we're gonna we're gonna do it, we're gonna shoot them, I guess, mm-hmm. or whatever. Get rid of them. And then uh, Elizabeth's just like, we're just gonna ignore them and jump anyways, and then they do and just fuck them up, smash on through them all. Yeah, so. I didn't think it would... I was like, oh, the ring, it'll be fine. And then, it, like, two of the pilots, like, crash into the planet, yeah, maybe, yeah. and die fiery deaths. Or they, like, Spin throw out. them off, and they crash into each other. It's it's pretty rough. Yeah. The ghost gets out of control for a moment. I feel like in that moment, Harold's like, oh, I have made a mistake. I haven't brought my, I've brought my, my son. son to this potential war zone. <laughs> this was a... I was perhaps in error. <laughs> Hope nobody sees on the general council. They might not be a general. And I can't send them to die anymore. Uh, but, yeah. That's kind of where it resolves. They get on the again. They get on the ship. They bring Sabine with them. They jump to the new galaxy, and uh, Harris like, "Ooh, this this went poorly." Well, this could have gone a little bit better, fellas. They're gone. And every t- I feel like half the time, Harris like, "I feel like half the time I send these squadrons out, they all get they'll die horrible death." That happens a lot. You just can't get that down. They're like still still a general though. You're all right. Yeah, that's a good point. Jack. I feel like her <laughs> actual track record, like on screen, is not always hot. No. It's like, oh, I tried to lead this blockade. I tried to break this, break this blockade. Oh, we all died. Oh, we all died. Oh, I, I live though. And then she's like, oh, let's. Go. I try to go. I try to go meet with the the protectors of Concord Dawn, and they killed us all. Oh no, Finn Rao. And then I tried to attack the factory on Lethal, and we all died. All that again. My husband had to die to save me, or whatever. Holy shit. Holy shit. Father of my child. This is crazy. This is... I, and then they're like, general. They just keep promoting me, though, huh? <laughs> just just like uh, when, it, like in Emperor Strikes Back. When yeah, Doug I guess it's, it's like the Imperials. She just falls upward, kind of. <laughs> That's all right, though. Huyang, there, we have a, a bit of a sad moment from Huyang, where he's like, hey, guys, what's up? Hey, friends. You guys friends. did it, right? You guys saved Sabine, the day. Hera, you guys... Or Ahsoka, Hera, or Ahsoka, whatever. All of them. It's not one it. of them. You get it. 
so I guess Sabine, you guys out there? And they're like, oh, they don't say anything. Do they? Yeah, because one of them is in another galaxy. The other one's. Well, she somehow made it to the world between worlds. It's, that's where we end on here. Is uh, I think that Ahsoka, no- after falling into the water, has somehow found herself in a you know incorporeal uh, place beyond time and yeah, space. You mentioned a different a different kind of plane of existence. Frankly, not just wet, but <laughs> spacey in, in a in a you know outside of time and space itself in the uh, so called world between worlds. So the thing that no one understands, Dave Filoni has yet to explain. I think I understand. I think I understand better than most of these yahoos on the internet. Well, that's that's probably true. So, but here it is. It's the world between worlds. It's like, um, you know, we've kind of had inklings that this would be a, you know, a factor in this show for a good long while, and and here it is, definitively. Um, this is one of the things where it's like, again, just all the character stuff aside, because uh, I just, I, frankly, I don't know how how much you would care about any of these people. I I just feel like actually having seen Rebels would mean so much more for I mean for everyone right it literally just is a, a sequel to Rebels so but all that aside you would also get a, a way better understanding of what's going on here because I can't imagine having never seen any of it and then just jumping into this being like wait what the fuck yeah what is this what is this world between worlds I'm sure they will explain it a little more but still I feel like that baseline would be good to have but what do we know so basically for people who don't know the world between worlds kind of what it sounds like again it's a, it's this realm that exists beyond space and time in season four of Rebels, Ezra uses it to like view and attempt to change events from the past. The past, specifically the Kanan's death, specifically Kanan's death, and also Ahsoka's presumed death. But we've talked about like the kind of paradox there because like even in the season two episode, Ahsoka appears to have lived, and there's all this kind of like it seems to only be a closed loop. So I don't think Ezra really did save her at all. And at the end of that episode, he's like, she's like, well, I got to go back in here. So it's unclear what, if any influence Ezra actually had on that interaction at all. Right. So, yeah. Would she have always, I mean, clearly you can enter the world between worlds from different important places like force intense areas. Mm -hmm. So would she always have fallen in and been saved Mm -hmm. without, but yeah. Time again. It's a little time travel stuff, which is always. It's, I think the general idea, though, is that the world between worlds works off of like it's a it's a flat circle kind of thing. Mm. You can't actually change anything. Everything that's you would want to change has already happened, and in that, yeah, it's it's kind of confusing. But I think that's generally how it works yeah. because there's a lot of people who are throwing out all kind of nonsense about like what can we use this for? And since the world between worlds has been introduced, there's been people who have had all kind of theories about the insane different stuff that they could do in Star Wars using it, right? Like, you know, retcon the sequel trilogy or something, or like bring back X, Y, or Z dead character. And it's like- Stop it, Order 66. Right. It really doesn't seem like that's the way it works. Yeah. Because one of the important, obviously it's most clearly shown with Kanan, because Asia's like, well, I want to save Kanan. So he's like, but if you save Kanan now, the whole reason he died, because he had to die, because you all had to escape. So if he doesn't die, you all die in that huge explosion, and then you can't save him. So if you're not there to save him, he dies anyway, and then you're back where you started. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's the grandfather paradox. Yeah, exactly. Um, but really, we don't actually get to any of that in this episode. We just see that Ahsoka's arrived there. We see the telltale, I don't know, voidness. And, Boy, and, and walkways. Blue pathway thingies. No railings. No, no, it seems like you could fall. Forever, maybe? And someone says, hey, Snips, and she goes, Anakin, and it is. It's Hayden Christensen, and he's he's dressed up like he's in episode three. And he's de-aged, maybe? Seemingly. Um, it looks a little wonky. I'm not even going to lie. This is 
frankly, this is, I'm not usually very critical of this. This is one of the first times where I really am like, oh yeah, this does look a bit ghoulish. A bit weird, yeah. Like, I was one of those people who was like, I don't know, Tarkin in Rogue One, even Leia in Rogue One, I was like, these ones don't bother me. And most of the stuff they don't say, this is a bit, he's too freaking smooth. He's smooth, he's... I thought the same thing. I was like, buddy, it's weirdly smooth. Especially, like, this is actually much worse than last year when they just had Hayden Christensen pretend to be, like, 18 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Almost better. Not even almost. I think that's just better than this. Especially because he is playing older. They got the longer hair. Just, he's in darkness. Just let him be Hayden Christensen. I think that would have been fine. Even, I don't remember being that bothered by Obi-Wan because I was like, oh, it's a flashback. Whatever, I can. All right, it was a bit weird to see them pretending to just, Again, just pretending, like seemingly almost nothing to be like, hey, Master, I'm 18. I'm an 18 year old boy. Hello, Master. Because <laughs> it was just Hayden Christian. Time to go to Naboo. Being like 42. But again, this looks weird. But um, this is this is introduced to all kind of questions. Yeah, which I guess we, I'll say, kind of called it. I, we, did, we, did, we did call it. We, we did knew, call we it. We knew he was coming, and you said, I said, we said, beginning four of this ghosts. episode. We were or beginning of the season, you said, Anakin, Clone Wars Anakin. That's yeah. what you said. Uh, but mainly, I remember when I thought I was gonna be like, "Oh, it's gonna be probably just like a Force Ghost or something," because you know, Force Ghosts be loving to appear, mm-hmm. you know, in times of crisis. Qui-Gon was there the whole time, and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, just full on, full body Hayden Christensen being like, "What's up, Ahsoka? It's me in the void." Now, again, probably could be a Force Ghost. Well, yeah, that's this is the question here. I wanted to address this. So, so there's certain people who have taken this to mean that in the timeline of like Episode Three, right? When mm-hmm. Anakin looked like that, he somehow found his way into the world between worlds and then met with Ahsoka, who was entering the world between worlds at this point in her life. And they have a chat, and then they both return to their respective time periods. That seems very unlikely to me, um, for a number of reasons. Uh, most w- notably of which being, like, that messes up Anakin's whole life, right? Like, what Darth Vader gets up to for the dec- years and decades after that to just be like, hey, remember that one time I saw Ahsoka from the future? And then it changed nothing about my <laughs> And I actions. never once went, hmm, maybe I should not, maybe I shouldn't talk to the Chancellor anymore. Maybe I should find Ahsoka in the in my present yeah. and give her a chat. Because then he wouldn't be surprised that she was still alive. He wouldn't have assumed he killed her when they fought on Malachor because he'd be like, well, I remember she gets old and I met her in that vision, so I guess she'll never die. Or she won't die before this point, before at me, least. at least. Yeah. So I just don't see that, think that's likely. I think yeah. he is somehow... Also, I think that's. I also just think, mind you, that's less interesting to be like, this is Anakin. This is just like mortal episode three Anakin. Who's had no change. He's just been edgy and gotten evil the whole time. Yeah, that'd be stupid, right? I'm much, much more interested in the idea that this is Anakin. But as a Soka remembers ghost. Well, yeah, but like that's who he's choosing to appear, but he's he's a Force ghost. He's lived his whole life and he's had his redemption and he's like, hey, it's me. And then he can be like, hey, by the way, sorry. Sorry about all this. Listen, I did some stuff. Not, Not proud, proud of it. it. <laughs> Try to kill my son, cut off his hand. Listen, Obi-Wan taught me how to be a force ghost, though, so we're... Like, in, in the last moments, um, I accepted... It's like it's like Catholicism in that way, you know? He accepted force shoes into his heart. At the end, and I was like, I squeaked right in. I squeaked right at the end. Yeah, I, I got to force heaven, and Mace Windu was like, really? Really? You get to be here? Well, okay. They just There's, let anyone in. No, 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 okay. All those, all those kids I killed were like, bro, you let them... Come on. Come on. He, he killed me. It's all right, though. We're all the force now, so it's it's fine. We don't even care. We don't have, we don't have ego problem. We don't have ego no, anymore. Be no, you, you don't have ego when you become one with the force. Yeah. It's like distinctly one of the things you like, lose. Like real Catholic heaven. Not the heaven they tell you. That's right. It's real true. Catholic heaven. It's true. You don't even remember who you are, really. No, you become a being of light. Ooh. And 
sing God's praises or whatever. But so I think that's what is is yeah. happening here is that, and I think he's physical, force ghosts are able to exhibit inhabit the world between worlds because why not? It's outside of space and time. Yeah, which is what force ghosts are, anyways. Yeah, they exist, but unless they manifest themselves, they exist outside of space and time. And maybe he'll like do a thing where he changes and he ages up himself, so he's only smooth oh, for a little bit. He's like, oh, and this is me now. Remember me as Darth Vader? I do think it would look. I think it would have been more interesting if he just had like Ben Hayden Christensen with a new kind of look for Anakin, right? Like mm-hmm. you know how at the end of initially, originally, right at the end of Return of the Jedi, it is Sebastian Shaw who is the actor. I believe that's the name of the actor who portrays like physical Darth Vader, Darth Vader right? And then he's just there, but he looks normal. He's undeformed, and he's just wearing Jedi robes, and he's just like, hey, it's me. I'm chilling. I actually think that like a version of that would kind of be more interesting, even though it doesn't strictly exist, right? Because Anakin never got to grow old. Mm. Being undeformed, I also think he's a Force ghost. Why not? He can be whoever he wants. Right? Like, like Qui-Gon Force ghost looks older than Qui-Gon, right? Like, he's aged. Um, at least in the show. Maybe in the context of the universe, he's not meant to have. But whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. I think it'd be interesting if he was just like, yeah, I'm older Anakin. I'm just chilling. I look like Hayden Christensen does now. Is that a problem for you, Ahsoka? And she'd be like, no, that's fine. No, I'm actually quite, I'm quite confused on what's happening. Are you, now are you old episode three Anakin or are you redeemed Anakin? She's like, that's not going to do it. It's kind of, well, they're one and the same in a lot of ways. So how about you just not worry about it? Just worry. The Twitter will handle this. <laughs> or for, or better yet, just make him deformed Anakin, but nice. I don't want to see a deformed Anakin. Like, he's still got the big dent in his head, yeah. and he's still, like, all... He's missing his limbs that Obi-Wan cut off. Palos, yeah. He's in a wheelchair. But he doesn't have cybernetics, because you can't have cybernetics in Force no. Heaven, so he's just, They don't like, let droids into heaven. He's just floating around with no legs. And, and one arm. One arm. He's got, a, he's got a Force wheelchair. He's like, hey, Ahsoka, can you push me around? <laughs> I guess I didn't even catch. Does he have a... Does he have a, a, a cybernetic hand? I don't... I think he's wearing gloves, so I don't think you can tell. Well, his traditional look in episode three is that one of them is gloved and one is not. You know, the, yeah, the, one. the one that's cybernetic is, yeah. is gloved, so you can't see its gross robot parts. I was going to say, I don't think we really get a look at his hands. We do very briefly because we give a full body shot. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that's the, that's the cybernetic arm. Yeah, he's just very, he's just completely episode three look, so. Classic look, best look maybe. So there it is, his like, his, uh. His hand is still robotic. Interesting. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see where this goes. I feel like we could easily spend, like, almost, or most of the next episode, or at least the Ahsoka stuff, just completely hanging out in the world between worlds, like, doing flashbacks, maybe. Maybe see young Ahsoka doing, doing Clone Wars Bombing stuff. the temple? <laughs> different, different, maybe snippets throughout Ahsoka's life leading up to this point and the things she's gotten up to. We could see her get picked up by Plo Koon again in live action. Oh, that would be cool, actually. Yeah. Dave Filoni loves Plo Koon. I don't know why they, I still never get over why they didn't do that as one of the episodes for Tales of the Jedi. That makes a lot of sense to do, maybe, but whatever. But what, what do we, we know? We're just big Plo, 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 the, 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 big Plo Koon guys. Quick live action Plo Koon would be pretty sick, I gotta say. See, see his horrible, deformed, weird goggle face, but God, we love it. You know, I said, um, you know, first episodes, I was like, I think that her thing with Anakin is going to be central to this, and well, here he is. And I think if she can work past this stuff with Anakin's help here, then it would be like, you know, she'd be resolving a lot of stuff, and then like that would help her with Sabine, right? Yeah. Like if she comes to turn with her master, then it's like, oh, now I can be a better master to my Padawan, you know? Oh, it comes generational trauma, being healed and whatnot. So I think this, I think this will be interesting and neat and cool. Yeah, I'm excited for it. 
think we had a good stuff. I'm sure people on Twitter will hate it. Yeah, so and I, say it ruined their childhoods. You so got I get some stuff to say. Oh, excellent. Not a whole ton. Um, I'll just say this. This is basically what. So it was the end of Andor. Remember episode eight or nine or whatever it was when he was like never more than twelve, right? Great, great line, great episode, great scene. Mm. There's no disputing that. But this person said the line and episode ending was so much more exciting than any glup shido cameo a Filoni show could conceive of. This wasn't even a year ago, but it feels like a million years away now. I don't really get that latter part at all. But in terms of um, glup shido cameo, again, I've been railing against all season this idea that like these are glup shidios, glup shidios, <laughs> glup shidios are cameos because to me they're just not cameos. Like these are just characters. Again, they're not shoehorned in. Yeah, they're not like in the background or something. These are characters who are in the show because the show's about them, right? Yeah. Again, like having a show about Sabine and Hera, despite them pre being pre existing characters from a different, you know, property, doesn't There's not a glib shit make. Exactly. And this person responds saying, if the cameo in this week's Ahsoka is a glup shido, then the term glup shido has lost all meaning. And then he said, parentheses, I love how ridiculous this sounds. <laughs> Which I, I also do. I appreciate that. I do think it's very funny to be like, oh, you guys, the term glup shido has lost all meaning. What have you done? Because that is just an inherently like ridiculous absurd thing to say. Thing to say. But it, I think it's true because obviously he was trying to, you know, he was not trying to say the exact thing, but what he's getting at there, right, is that if Anakin Skywalker is a glup shido, then what does any of this mean? What is it? What are we doing? If the fucking main guy of the... If, he's the most main guy. He's the least glup shido character in the whole thing because he's the least he's obscure random side character that Star Wars has, right? Besides Luke Skywalker. Even then, though, is anyone more iconic than Darth Vader? Uh, besides Luke Skywalker? I, I, literally... I, don't, I think Luke is always second to Darth Vader. I guess that's true. I think that, like... I don't know. I mean, it's probably neck and neck. But in, if, in terms of like people who have never actually seen Star Wars, everyone knows who Darth Vader is just Off. inherently. Yeah, I but guess like, that's Luke true. Luke is just a guy. He's not used in the marketing as much because he is a person. He's not like With a, Darth you Vader, you, you can just slap that fucking helmet on anything and everything. That's true. And they do. And they, oh, boy, they do. I mean, so, that's true. On the Skywalker Saga box art, he's the biggest thing on yeah, it. Yeah, He's always the biggest thing because he's just a big helmet. And my thing is, frankly, is that if they if people apply the same scrutiny that they do to Ahsoka to to Andor retroactively, I feel like then why is Mon Mothma in that show not Club Shido? Why is Andor right? If people are like, why do we need a show about Ahsoka? Why do we need a show about again? I, I get it to a certain extent. If you want to be like, listen, we should be telling new different stories, right? But ultimately, Andor wasn't really a new different story as such right like a story set during the dark times during like the that's lead up to them. the original trilogy that's fucking all this is not a new and fascinating corner or era of the stars galaxy for being I, completely yeah. honest I, right? I, i'm on me in the show i've railed against like we need to have less of that probably now the angle some of the angles at which they came at it with and stuff is all good again i love that show i'm not a, i'm not actually saying anything against it i'm just saying the people who are like oh you gotta be fair about this that's that's how i feel Mm. it's like yeah this that was a show using pre-existing characters from movies and stuff right again why is obviously andor himself and mon mothma and saw right why are these guys not you know why was melchi being in that show not a fucking glup shit moment right of like oh can you believe they got this one background guy from rogue one and they put him in the show glup shit am i right but everyone was like oh my god it's melchi right or two tubes yeah, two tubes. Two tubes is here. Oh my god, can you fucking believe two tubes is in here? Who? What? 
Holy shit, is that Bib Fortuna's gross brother? No. <laughs> Cousin or whatever the fuck? So, I, again, like, I, I just feel like, yeah, I guess I, I would like it if people on the internet were more fair. I think, is that so much to ask? No, I think that's reasonable. People on the internet, if I know one thing about them, when asked, they will do exactly what is needed of them. Yes, and they and they are like they tend towards fairness. I think naturally, I think they all they, they only, all know in their hearts they want fairness. They want fairness. They want to be fair. And they, they always do. do good faith arguments. I've never seen like a misconstrued, uh, misinterpreted, or, or bad thing. Yeah, call on Anakin Skywalker clip shit. It was probably the most batshit insane thing ever. That was like when a friend of mine, I'm calling a little bit, told me that Obi Wan Kenobi wasn't that important to the original trilogy. And I said, Hold, what, what is this now? He's like, well, it's not that important. He only shows up. He's only in the first one. And I was like, he's in the second one, too, also. And he's the in third all three one. of them. He's in all three of them. He is in all three of them. He also sends him to Yoda and tells him to kill his dad. Also, he's, um, oh, what's it called? What's that thing in the, what's that journey he has to go on? Oh, he's, um, oh, right, he does the call to action. Uh, he pulls him into the strange world. He, and he, again, he continues to mentor him throughout all three movies. He tells him a lot of key information. What a silly thing to say. It was very silly. I just don't even. I can't. I, I couldn't even believe. I made fun of him ruthlessly for That's this. Just silly. What is, it, what is he trying to prove with that? One? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So again, if your argument is that Star Wars needs to completely move past again the Skywalker saga era, like anything encapsulating those, you know, whatever hundred odd years, mm. and it, we should have more shows that do not have, you know, that are not making use of any pre-existing characters. Again, I, I can sympathize with that to an extent. I'm just saying, like, we haven't got that yet. And we all agreed Andor was pretty good. And clearly, it, it obviously also made use of existing characters. So that's not the problem. Yeah. It's just about more so how, I feel. It's more about uh, John Favreau playing with all his fun toys and yeah. not writing a story. I think that might be our problem. And it's tough. I think, I do think that there is, if you can believe it or not, like a, a number of people who are using bad faith arguments, perhaps. <gasps> No. In regards to some of these shows and stuff like, I think there's people maybe who really do just, they're not just, they're just not Star Wars fans really, period. Like they, they don't like Star Wars, but they did like Andor because it was so different. And now I think there is a certain, uh, you know, flavor of a individual online who's like, who is, you know, just constantly using Andor as like a cudgel to attack everything else. So like, oh, this wishes it could be Andor. And, I, and we talked about this even at the time, as much as we loved Andor. There is something to be said for, like, it's it doesn't all need to be that. Yeah. I think this is very, very Star Wars, this show is, in a different way. I Here's the thing. I'll just say this. I think this is the best. Is, is this as good as Andor? No. Mm-hmm. But. It's as good as The Mandalorian was. This is better than the last three seasons of anything we got that wasn't Andor, right? That's true. It's better than The Book of Boba Fett or Obi-Wan Kenobi or The Mandalorian Season 3. Like, I don't know. It's 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 definitely up there for me so far as, in terms agree. of the Star Wars Shows. Well, other than I, I was excluding the Bad Batch just then, but I would cut the Bad Batch in there. The Bad Batch is good. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're saying this is you still yes. think this is better than Bad Batch? Yeah, that, that I could be. So. I could see that. Um, so yeah, I I just don't. I don't know. What I'm saying is, I you know, it's a classic internet thing of of people are never happy, but I think in some cases, then there really might be people out there now who really will never be happy with Star Wars stuff because they just don't like it. And so they, they never just, liked it really in the they first really place. They really never liked it in the first which is fine. Again, if, if Andor was a way for you to be like, oh, this is actually cool and this appeals to me in a way the other stuff does, does not, that's cool. But that doesn't make everything else lesser inherently, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. 
And then I saw this. I just wanted to talk about this one, which I thought was absurd. Because this person says, uh, This recent surge in idolatry of De Filoni is, at best, creepy and both intentionally and unintentionally contributes to the sexism hurled constantly towards female executives at Lucasfilm. It's exhausting. Um, now, there, I, I, I get some of this to a certain extent. Um, mostly from the whole, like, Dave Filoni should take over Lucasfilm and yeah. fire Kathleen Kennedy River, which is dumb and has always been dumb, right? The whole him and John Favreau, they both get it of like they should they should run Lucasfilm as if like we really have people who still don't understand the difference there between like Creative what they do and what she does. She does just as literally in terms of a job, but that's fine. But I I just I I feel like I'm not seeing any of this idolatry of Dave Filoni. If anything, I feel like I've talked a bit on the show about how like his star has seemingly fallen among certain sectors of the fandom in like the yeah. past couple of years. Oh, for sure it has. I feel like he peaked around Mandalorian season one. Um definitely do no wrong, he did everything. Uh, uh, yeah, Mandalorian season one, Clone Wars season seven, when those aired, um I feel like he was riding real high because that was like yeah, that was end of twenty nineteen, beginning of twenty twenty. And I feel like if anything since then he they've had a couple things where now everyone has you know, because the internet's fickle. Yeah. And it's all like, oh, Dave Filoni sucks, and he's actually part of the reason Star Wars is bad, and he's ruining it, and he can't, whatever. Um, which, some of, there's maybe validity too. again, of the whole, like, Dave Filoni, John Favreau, like, these guys are just playing with their toys, can we maybe a real move story? on from some of this stuff? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, I just thought that was interesting, this person was like, oh, people are loving Dave Filoni too much lately, and I'm like, I feel like, I don't know, it's so weird. I just can't wait. I, 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 I wish I had a feed that was more positive. I have seen some people. I've seen actually a number of people describe this week as like one of the best episodes of Star Wars TV, period, which I think I would more or less I, yeah. agree with. Um, but I do feel like I, I see a dis, disproportionate amount of hate for this show, too. Mm. So I don't know. There's always going to be the hate, though, I guess. That's your internet for you. Oh, yeah. That's and on me, I suppose. They love to hate. For engaging with it, you know. That's why I don't have Twitter. I'm That's safe. right. Better off. So yeah, um, we'll 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 talk to the Force Ghost next week, I guess, huh? Ooh, hooray! Ahsoka. She's, also, I just wanted to say, like, I think it's really cool that we've had such this such a big climax kind of episode at the halfway mark. You know, like mm-hmm. we we really are covering good ground. Because I said last week, I was like, I feel like they're going to get there sooner than maybe we expected. Now, I again, unless we spend the whole next episode in. The world between worlds with Ahsoka. I don't see how they can put it off any further, right? Yeah, they're, they've already jumped there. We ha- yeah, they're there. Essentially, we have to like see them, see Ezra and uh, Thrawn sooner, sooner rather later. than later. So I think that's cool. I, yeah. I like that. I feel like a lot of the Star Wars shows haven't really done that. Mm-hmm. He's like a big mid-season kind of thing. So I think it's cool that we had such a cool climactic episode with a lot of stuff happening at the halfway mark here, and now we rolling into the back. Oh yeah, and with that. Let's act attack into a show that equally has as much happen and is super fun and we like just as much. Uh, Justified City Primeval Secret Ooh, we're Episode. We're doing it again. We're Secret back episode to Justified nine. City Primeval. That, that last one was pretty good, right? Oh, absolutely it was. I loved when he Bo- shot a man dead. I loved when Boyd flew a plane into his house. I shot a man dead. I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. He didn't even have a gun. He was just getting a, a, a mixtape mix for me, but I, I fucking killed him. I blast him away. It doesn't even bother me. It doesn't keep me up at night like that other man. I am a killer. I clicked on that wrong thing. Yeah, you clicked on that. I thought I'd missed a part of the episode. I was like, I didn't see this. Um. So, no. The actual show that we have to talk about that isn't good or or and we do hate and... Uh, Worst thing we've ever watched, maybe? It's really bad. It's The Wheel of Time. I see. Here it is, folks. Episode four. What's it called? 
It's called uh, Daughter of the Night. Oh, right. Um, so we start this episode with Ashamayo? Yeah, and he's doing something, and he's saying he's the prophecy. Old, he's in like an old church, and he's yeah, opening a seal. He's, he's wearing normal clothes again. It's very strange to me. I find it off-putting. I don't know. Again, I feel like the idea is supposed to be like, look, he has clothes from a bygone era. But again, when we see the Age of Legends, it doesn't look quite like that. No, their clothes are a little more strange. He's wearing a suit coat. He's just wearing a, a suit coat. And, and the, again, there's multiple scenes where it looks like he's maybe wearing a necktie. I don't know. It's unclear where he is. Probably Shogul, I guess. He, I he guess that's the Dark One's prison, right? I thought the, are the rules of Dark One's prison. But I guess they oh, were that's, wrong. Remember they no, make... that's, the, that's the seal or the oh. boar. Oh, right, yeah. The Shogul is, still has to be where the... Dark One is The Shogul isn't where the boar is. Right, that's the true. The boar's not really physical anyways. It's... it's Metaphysical. That's metaphysical. Um, they that has the seal of the Aes Sedai, the old seal. Yeah, I think that's the. I think these because yeah, he's break. Yeah, he breaks the seal. He lets he lets Lanfear out. Um, who could Lanfear be in this season? Who could? Oh my God, what a mystery! She's oh, covered in blood, shit. though. Wow, what a mystery! Uh, which character could this correspond with in the real in the in the show? Who could know? I don't know. Do you remember? I feel like in the book, as soon as Celine showed up, I was like, "This is a Forsaken." I don't think I got it as fast. I think I was like, hmm. I literally think I was instant because it was just like, well, this is too good to be. She well, I I knew that she was not. A character can't show up. Oh, but you not maybe not. You weren't certain she was a forsaken. Sick. I just thought okay, that she was fine. somebody like someone who was like like a Sean Chan or someone evil. She's obviously evil because you can't just show up and be like, I love you, Rand. I'm the most beautiful woman you've ever seen ever, and I actually really like you, and I and I've decided just out of nowhere to help you. Of all How do people. I know about you? How do I have knowledge of you and your and your doings? Escapades? Don't even worry about Don't it. Don't worry about that. I'm not freaked out by this Ogier, a thing no one really has seen. Yeah, no, she's just way too. She's like, it's like, oh, well, obviously this is a villain of some kind, but whatever, fine. Um, so after that, uh, again, you you guys, everyone at home, you think over it. Who who Lanfear might be? Who who she could possibly be? And maybe we're revealing. There's all kind the of choices. Oh, think um, about all the new female characters introduced at the beginning of the season. Oh, there's oh, there's one. There's it's only one. Or it could be Alana. Or Varen. Or Varen. Or her sister. Her horny Seems sister. Seems unlikely, but... Or it could be Moraine's new sister. <laughs> oh, my God! Or the so Demondred Butler. <laughs> the Demondred Butler. <sighs> A character who is... Mm, not enti- I guess it's not fair to say entirely, but more or less fabricated entirely for the show. Um, she, this is a character that exists in the books, but in a very different form. And really doesn't ever do anything or ever appear in as a person. Person. So I think it's almost fair to say that this is a completely new character, basically just using the name, which we've already seen a couple times, right? Because Varen's not really Varen, and Alana's only half Alana, kind of. Yeah. And they made up that. some lady to hang out with Cad Swain, maybe. Great. So, um, basically, the the long and short of it is that Moraine is actually secretly. I don't know. A uh, hundred years old. I'm probably not quite that yeah. old. Well, I don't know. So if this, I looked at this actress. She's 72. If so, if we just assume she's 70 in the show or whatever, 72 ish, and then Maureen's a good. I don't know. It seems like maybe even 10 years older than her. Then sure, Maureen's 80. Fine. You know, we know from the show, like they have made it obvious, or which is to say, they've just said it that I said I do live longer. Right? They've never really embraced the whole faceless. Or, yeah, um, you know, ageless, ageless face. face thing, because that's kind of unfilmable. I get it, right? Yeah. It's hard to really even conceptualize as a I, thing. I really, I don't fully still understand it. I just know that when Robert Jordan says they have a face, uh, ageless face, you know it's an I said I. Mm. I. I really, yeah, I can't even personally conceive of what that means either. Um, but, so, they still have obviously run with the idea that 
I said, I do not look their age mm. because they age more slowly and they live longer, right? We saw this with Leandrin, who is, you know, uh, in appearance much younger than her son. Who's a dying eight, maybe. Yeah. Um, and now we have this with a new example with uh, Moran's sister, who is younger than her, but looks, you know, quite old, like elderly. Mm. I just don't know what this was for, really. I mean, it's interesting, again, conceptually, but just like with the Leandrin thing, which is like, I do think this is an interesting idea. I do think it's interesting to deal with, like, the, this this part of being an Aes Sedai, right? It's something that really the books don't touch on, touch on too, too much. I just feel like at this point in this show, we have so much other ground yet to cover, you know? Mm. We have to, I mean, we're do, we're, they're trying to do the Great Hunt, maybe... Who know? I mean, it's it's unclear. It's unclear. That's just it. It's unclear. Uh, yeah. So Moraine shows up, and the butler's like, "Oh, it's your sister who's been gone a uh, fifty decades." And so she says it's been decades. I mean, it seems at first I was like, "Okay, maybe it's been twenty years. Maybe they haven't seen each other since the IU War." But based off their later conversation, I think it's been much longer. I think it really has been since she left for the tower. Maybe yeah. Maybe she's never returned, and which could easily then be I don't know sixty plus years so mm. yeah I, you know they've changed the whole dynamic of her family here what what that means what her whole deal is um you know because the the prequel uh new dawn spring new spring whatever it's called a uh, new dawn's a, this the star wars rebels prequel book <laughs> new spring um deals with this uh almost exclusively it's it's a moraine book yeah largely and part of her whole thing is that She's in the uh, again her whole character basically like her whole her whole thing is that she's in the right place at the right time, right? There's this perfect um, confluence of events where her and Swan are ready to take the test to become I said I. They're ready to be raised I said I. Basically, the same week that um, the Aiel War ends, which also means that her her uncle the king is killed and the dragon reborn is born. On the slopes um, of Dragon, slopes of Dragon Mount, and they are witness to the prophecy um, by the Armalan, by no. the keeper of the chronicles, keeper. which foretells exactly that. And this all means that basically, Moraine, she becomes a she. She's raised to the shawl. She needs to pick an Aja. She needs to pick a, a mission, basically, because that's what Blue Sisters do: is they pick a, a a cause and they stick to it for their whole lives. Um, so she needs to find something to do. She has one basically shoved in her face of like, well, this is the most important thing ever yeah, that anyone could ever looked out. This is the most important thing that anyone could ever do. And you're maybe the only person who can do it without drawing suspicion, basically. Right. Mm. So it's a whole thing. Well, I won't get into the specifics of it, but also we did new spring already. So just yeah, that we episode. Did. yeah, listen to that episode. We, we read the book and we talked about it. better than this. I a hundred times. You better. can honestly just tune out now. <laughs> and the other thing was that, she didn't want to be queen of Kyrian, even though she was basically the best prospect for it, because her uncle died with no heirs, and among her siblings, she was the most fit. The most fit, basically, if not the oldest or the malest, <laughs> she was the most fit. And with the full backing of the Aes Sedai, who would obviously be very um, interested in having in, a in having an Aes Sedai queen, queen, she could have easily gotten it. She basically. could have been Elaine in the books. She could have been Elaine, and they would have made her. Um, and she didn't want to do that, and that's why she left. But this. Throws all of that out the window, which again is like most of her characterization. Again, her I feel like her whole her whole thing shifts if she hasn't been spending because the thing is like Moraine spent her whole adult life searching for the Dragon Reborn. Mm. This isn't that because 
I don't know. She was like 60 when she started looking for the Dragon Reborn, apparently. Yeah. The whole yeah. The whole point is that she's actually not that old. How did she hear the prophecy? Like, how were they privy to this? What? There's just, it, 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 frankly, it creates way more questions than answers. And again, there's something interesting here. There's a kernel of this of like, yeah, it's interesting to deal with this, this concept of like, you're an Aes Sedai and you have to abandon all you know and you age differently and the people you know will inevitably grow old and die. Yes, yeah, you're not you're not bound to any country or anything. I get all that to an extent. It's just, but like, I don't Pick know. Pick somebody else. That's the thing. And like, I I don't know, man. I, I dislike how like interpersonal drama heavy this show is. Like, that's what this show is yeah. mostly about is oh, like yeah. characters just arguing with each other and stuff. And, and having heart to hearts, which can, you know, there's a time and place for that. But I just feel like that's in, almost entirely what this TV show is. And I don't, I don't find it super compelling. Yeah. Especially when most of the time it's, it's, they're being created from whole claws. A lot of these scenarios are made up just for the show so that two characters can freaking have, have more drama. When it's, I mean, it's, it, yeah, because the book, there's much better conflicts that are actually like dangerous. Because mm-hmm. at this point in the book, kind of get it the three girls in the tower that we know elena Gwen, and naive should be um captured by the shanchan or one of them should be chained by the shanchan by this point well i think it's it's gonna happen i think it's gonna happen but like they could have done that way earlier based on the pace they're going at because they just kind of tread water like that's the thing is we have somehow this show feels like it has time to introduce again all these fabricated plots of like Lan is hanging out with Alana's family again. So I guess she must be young because her siblings aren't that old. Well, they're pretty old. Who fucking knows? Whatever. It's 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 irrelevant. Yeah. But he's hanging out with her family and her warders, and they have like five fucking scenes this episode. This whole subplot about them is seemingly the biggest priority of this of this episode. And it's like Lan should not, and and honestly, indeed, cannot be the main character of this fucking show. No, because we have. An entire ensemble of characters who were pretty much all more important to him than him to the overall story here. He's great. Lan is one of our favorite characters in the books. He's sick, but it's not, honestly, much to him. There's almost nothing to him for the first... Most of the books. Six or seven, but, like, the stuff that he's going through in this season of the show corresponds to, like... It starts in book five, maybe? The end of book five, right? Barely. Barely. He doesn't appear... In book six, yeah. and then in book seven, we really start to get into it. If I, if I'm memory serving me, it's something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Or, or he appears, he appears once, in, like once in yeah. book six, just to know he's alive. Yes, that's basically what we're working with here. And again, we've we've skipped that all ahead. Again, I mean, Maureen has not done a thing yet that is correspond to anything from the books, right? Again, she's completely like in uncharted territory here since they decided to cut her off from the source and. Now she's got a sister, and she's hanging out in places she never goes in the books and stuff. I don't know, man. It's um, it's really something, you know. Yeah, not something good. Also, Nynaeve is still sad that her imaginary family or different timeline family is dead. Mm-hmm. She watched them all die. Uh, she's mourning them, and Egwene's like, well, "I'm real sorry about that. Maybe I could help you." She's like, "Nah." I'm good. I heard you talk about me through a door, and I'm still mad about that, even though I was being a fucking dickhead the whole time and being kind of neglectful. She's being very, like, selfish. Oh, yeah. It's very much about her issues. When it's like, yeah, Egwene also has her own stuff going on here. That she... Again, this is the stuff that I hate. Like, why are we doing all this, like, 
this needless like melodrama. The, yeah, I don't know why. I, 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 the, the words, exact words are, are failing me here about like what this conveys to me. But it's, ve- it's just very like CW esque. Like if we all, sh- if everyone just actually like said what they meant to each other, a lot of this Wouldn't stuff happen. would be circumvented, which is the worst kind of um, way to write conflict, right? Mm. It's just characters misunderstanding and mishearing each other, and just again all this like talk. I don't know. Maybe that's what like a a TV show adaptation should be, because like you're not gonna beat the novel in terms of like world building or action or or I don't know. Turns out anything, but maybe you say, well, we can have lots of scenes of characters chatting and 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 the you know and the performances of these actors here will will you know convey more emotion and and all that. But I I just get I'm so sick of it. Hey, it's cool. Moraine pulls out her joints, her old joints from sixty years ago. And it's not like the women don't, the girls don't fight in the books, right? The Wonder Girls fight all the time. That's like one of their defining characteristics is the three of them are like best friends and also fight constantly. They love using magic. Yeah, she looks very young. Yeah, she could easily be 10 years older than her sister, I guess. (coughs) But again, this kind of conflict is not it. This like, I overheard you through a door and now I'm going to go off alone. It's almost more... A lot of people complain about the books, about the women in it, but mm-hmm. that's almost worse. Cause it's like I do think so. All the women plots, they have to argue and be misunderstanding each other. and all, But all, but Perrin gets to be a wolf and run around with the wolves. Like, here's the thing. In the books, they all do something cool. They join the circus at one point. I don't think they're going to join the circus at this point. That's it. We, we might even make it to Tyr. That circus is never appearing. We're not going to see the big elephants and all the Shan Chan, and the Shan Chan lady? Doubtful. No, but okay, but they're gonna have they're gonna have but Mogadine. They're gonna get Mogadine and, and chain her up with the she, I the would, Adams, which don't don't exist right now. Um, that's true. They'll put that weird thing pacifier in her mouth. In her mouth. <laughs> so she can't talk. Oh, she can't teach him the weaves. Oh my goodness! Because that's maybe 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 we can kill her. No, I got nothing. I got nothing. I no. I can't. I, maybe she's gonna drag. <coughs> Min's gonna drag uh, Matt to. Kyrian, right? Maybe there'll be a Ludra along the way in the book, and he'll save her from brigands or whatever. And that's one. But he's not good at anything in this book. We've never shown him. He's in a. He's a a, a loser. He's just a fucking drunk loser. Who oh, this fucking TV show, dude? Well, we got um, Moraine. Because again, like if we kind of if it's it's tough because we they are kind of piecing stuff together from multiple books. But the kind of closest thing is that in. Book three, when Matt leaves the tower, he and he goes like traipsing about on his own. Some we had a scene where he like showed his his martial prowess, where he's actually like good at fighting sneakily the whole time because we hadn't seen that in the previous two books. And then, he was like, possessed by that dagger. He's really good at dice. We're skipping ahead a bit in the episode here, but he specifically can't is not good at dice in this. No, he seems to have nothing going for him. Yeah, the whole point is that he's the gambler and he gambles really well. He has dice in his head. He's so good at gambling that he has strange like. Dice magic in his brain that tells him when the odds are luck-based magic of some kind that yeah. helps in in other ways outside of like not it's like not it's more than his Taviran powers. It's like parent. It's like he's one of the people who's got weird unknown. Him, Min, and Parent all have weird non-channeling magic abilities. Seemingly, yeah. seemingly. Um, Whatever. We'll get to him in a minute. Um, got Logan. Morian visits Logan, and she's like, "You have to teach him channeling." Again, this is so strange because how? Because he can't channel anymore. He can't channel anymore. He can't um, see channeling also probably because he can't. No, he's been stilled right. or gentled, so yeah. I, he can't do anything. Like I'll just say the, the the version of this in the book is that 
at one point Rand captures one of the Forsaken. Um, and with the help of Lanfear, actually, they like put a thing on him where he can channel just a little, but not enough to be dangerous, but enough to show Rand things. He can't do any of this. I don't know how, like, is it all just going to be descriptions of like, well, it should look like this or feel like, like, it's just so weird to like, how do you teach someone how to do something without being able to see them do it, to do it? At, I know it's like, oh, if you can't do teach. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, there's no, you can't show him any component of this at all. You can't. Yeah. And, and one of the points of the book, a very thing they also hammer in a lot is that people who channel have you develop seemingly a photographic memory of weaves because almost all the channelers main characters or not if they're shown a weave they can do it again almost immediately they only need to be taught it once like gateways and balefire like multiple times characters like i'm going to show you this weave one time and you're going to be able to do it the rest of the book that's exactly how it works to the extent that like it's it's you have to be careful because if you learn how to do a thing incorrectly the first time it's very hard to learn it correctly to learn it to relearn it correctly, but who cares about that? Whatever she gives, she's gonna tell him he can kill himself. Though that's it's not really like. And then the further events of this episode make it seem unlikely that he's gonna talk to her or he's gonna even see Rand again anytime soon. I don't know, unclear. Um, another scene with Nynaeve where she's like, "Where are my warder friends?" And a different warder's like, "Hey, I can be your warder. Maybe you want to hang out. You want to fight with us?" Which he he sh- he should not do. He wouldn't. He would know not to. Especially do. now that she's accepted, he's way too familiar with her, and he's like, "What are you gonna pick? What do you, you know? You get to time we, to pick." And then, come on, I'm just. Did a you nice really guy. break the arch? Who told this dipshit about <laughs> a, an accepted breaking the arch? What the fuck is going on? They, they are so lackadaisical on this show about like information, information, and all the everyone's just too chill. Do you uh, do you get that sense? Just kind of hanging just out. Just too hanging out, and we're all chill, and we're all kind of hot, and we're all kind of sexy and horny a little bit, a little bit. There's a little bit of that undertone to everything. Listen, something I was thinking about this week, and I was like, one of the kind of key ideas in the books is that for the first couple books, I said I are um, sort of aloof and mysterious and unknowing, right? Yeah. These like larger than life figures, where most of the characters only go through stories, yeah, who don't even know that they were real thing that existed and then as the books go on that fades and it's actually replaced with um mostly disdain like you, you i think and I, I think this is all intentional mind you the books teach you to kind of hate i said i because it really shows them out to be like at their worst when they when they break and this tower shattered and they've they've you know there there's all this squabbling there's infighting we see how like petty they can all be and how self-righteous and they're all they're just as bad as you they're they aren't larger than life at all they are just human beings like any of them. And if anything, they maybe are prone to more, um, or at least some failings in particular. Like I said, I in particular are prone to all these different kinds of failings. Yeah, hubris. Right? They're especially. Also, yes, in particular, they have like hubris and arrogance. and They demand to be followed. Yeah. They will drag. One of their big things is manipulating a whole, the plotline for kind of the entire series. And as, as, you, as you said, as you grow more and more, it becomes more like twisted and more like ugly is that they all want Rand not to help him but to literally force him to do whatever they want him to do to whatever they th- at least what they think he should yeah, do yeah they constantly even Egwene at some point kind of feeds into this she gets she obviously is not as bad as the other ones and that's the whole point that's why she's the best for Armalyn mm-hmm. is that like, she's like well we can't let the dragon run around we have to keep him in the tower and only show him what he needs to see and very much coach him yeah as as it- I said I, as inst- individuals and as an institution, have this supreme arrogance that they know best, right, again, as, like, 
both at on an individual level they all somehow know what's best at any given moment and they're the best smartest person in a room um but they also as as an organization assume that they have supreme knowledge of what's best for the entire world and that Mm -hmm. they are the they should be the final authority on that all this is to say that by the end or that by a certain point that is in the series you go to really dislike most of them yeah again they're shown to be really kind of petty and frankly childish is like the best way to put it in 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 Mm. a lot of ways like once we once you start to see them through a different lens and again your characters start to respect them less right even the women themselves like the the wonder girls here which is like the fan name for the three of them nynaeva going in elaine elaine as they're becoming i said i they also are going to you know disdain this all this to say is again that like i said i are yeah you're not supposed to love them necessarily and this show is go out of its way to be like look they're all just kind of like chill humans and they all just hang out with their families and eat like meals and they just mm. look at how casual they are with their waters and stuff and i just feel like it's a disservice maybe to what he's trying to go for their whole thing yeah the whole <laughs> point of the story which is that they are supposed they are different like they act differently they have different ways they have like specific things going on yeah because it makes more sense if they would because if you ha- if you took all the people in the world who can do magic, and you put them all in one area, and everyone was scared of them, that would warp anyone. As, like, you get yeah. warped over There's time. There's so much discussed about, like, the different laws, and also but the different traditions that they have in the White Tower, to just have them all just, again, they just act so normal, I guess is my thing. Is they're all just, again, Alana's just hanging out with her family, having meals, and, like, making jokes about, like, ooh, Alana's last boyfriend, and ooh, look at that little boy toys over there, and it's just like... You'd be so scared of her. It's so it's feeling I feel like it's so much more interesting when you have this stuff but it's it's more understated. It's like hey, sometimes sometimes I said I have sex with their husbands or with their warders and sometimes even more scandalously perhaps they might even have sex with more than one of their warders or like some of them have three warders and they still have sex with them or cuz it's like this thing of well, sometimes you have one warder and you marry him. Sometimes mm. you have three warders and in that case you would never Marry one. One. But then there's some of them where it's like, wait, she has three and it, oh, oh, she has sex with all of them? What? Again, this show's just too flippant with like, all the waters are banging each other all the time and there's no nothing. And uh, Do you remember last season we had a whole episode dedicated to like, this warder was sad because as I said, I died and he kills himself or whatever he happens. Yeah. And it's a whole thing. I remember that. I remember and well because we were like character we didn't really know. And we were like, okay, as much as dumb as this is and as much as everyone hates it, I can see where they're coming from to an extent because... This will be relevant to Lan coming up here. Yeah. Because we knew. Because we knew what was potentially on the horizon here. And then they did a different thing entirely. Oh, of course. <laughs> but it's still kind of the same thing. But now we spent another three episodes, like, kind of really driving home how sad Lan is about this. And it's like, wait, you, I, I had convinced myself that last time, the important thing, that the last season, the only reason I gave you, like, a pass on wasting all my time with that one was because it was like, okay, this will be relative to Lan. But now if you have to just do it all over again and you just have to do it with land, like you don't trust me to apply like, that yeah. stuff to this one, then like what are we what are we doing here? Again, land isn't a main character anyways, frankly. Mm-hmm. But <sighs> Parent Me Topper, what do you think of this? He's just hanging out with the wolf. This is Parent's one scene for this show. I this thought episode. I thought what do you think? One, I, one, I, one I, episode for, or one scene for Parent. Hey, honestly, best parent scene he's had in a while, gotta be honest. Um it didn't ruin the wolf lore. Uh, it, they did this. They did the thing like, oh, they communicate through visions and, and like through sense, and sense, and because they don't really have language, because they wouldn't, because they're wolves. wolves. Uh, they said wolf brothers, Elias. They get into the stuff. Truly, it was the most lore accurate they've been so far. 
When he's mm-hmm. like, the guy said, I don't like us. They don't understand us. Tying into that hubris thing, which, you know, if they had any sort of thematic cohesion, they would have played into. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked it. I, li- I like Hopper. I like the Hopper stuff. So I'm like, oh, Hopper's here. It's I great. Like Hopper, yeah. he's like, His little jumping. Um, Hopper I like should, how they're... Hopper should already be dead by now, frankly. He should he should have been killed long ago. Because they're they they and they do reference the whole like escape from the white cloaks thing. That's when Hopper dies in the book. He dies helping him. But that couldn't. I guess that would. I, I did free when I was because well, we're because we're finally getting to the end here because I took so long to start book twelve. Um, but in book thirteen, Hopper obviously appears a lot and obviously always appears. But I had forgotten because it comes up again. They bring up this this event we we're just talking about. That he had, he's been dead for most of the books. Like I had forgotten. He dies a, in the first yeah, book. There's part. There was like a little bit where he was alive and like a a living thing, and then he mm-hmm. dies almost immediately. It's got to be like a number, like I don't know, two or three chapters maybe, where he was an existing character, which was also alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. The rest of the time he just spends hanging out in the wolf dream, talking to uh, Dream Parent. Yeah, his spirit basically. Yeah. Uh, they do a stag hunt, which is fun. Uh-huh. Uh, they, idea. they do. Elias is like, you're not gonna like. You'll, you'll be able to eat, you know, right, like raw meat soon. And Elias I, is a bit too. He's he's, he's not. I, I he's like a, everything in this show. It's a bit harsh. It's a bit like more rough around the edges. He's it, a bit more wolf than he should be. Than in the book, where he's he's much more like a helpful mentor. I feel jovial kind of guy. He's like sneaking up on Gaul and all that. Yeah. Too he's, bad. I mean, Gaul doesn't exist. We'll never meet Gaul. He'll never Probably find him not. in a cage and release him. Naomi in a cage. Maybe Gaul was the one they found last season. They just killed yeah, him. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, I thought that. I was like, maybe this is just him. God, I hope not. I like Gaul, but I mean, nothing I like will ever be good. Yeah, probably not. Have you uh, gotten the scene where uh, they talk about why the men are crazy? Can we talk about that? I don't give a shit about this Lanfear stuff. Lanfear and Rand no, talk. They do a lot of pondering and looking at them out. No, no, no. We haven't got to that scene yet. Oh, no, maybe. We... No, I don't think we did. No, it's after this. Yeah, we have Lanfear. Oh, <laughs> Celine and Rand on the mountain. She's like, let's go to my family's uh, cottage. Co- country cottage. And she's like, I used to love someone else, but he scorned my love. And he was this and that. And I, I hated him or whatever, but I loved him and he scorned me. Who could that be? I don't know. Probably Logan. It's, it's just Rand again. It's just Rand. It was, it was, she's done this like six times this season. Be like this long lost love that I have. But you. But you're what? great. You're just like, like him. No, weird. That's weird. Why do you, why do you keep bringing him up? Uh, we've Min and and Matt. This is this is the Matt scene for the episode because again, uh, you know, Land Moraine got about seven apiece, but the main actual main characters <laughs> two. Be fucked. You lucky you get one. You get one, and the the only one of them is actually accurate to his portrayal in the books. The other one, they just fucking uh, character assassinate so they're at, him. They're at the bar, uh, which is I guess this is as far as they've gotten since leaving the tower last episode. And uh, Min's like. They've been dicing, but Matt lost all his money to her, and she's like, "All right, I'm here to meet somebody important." And then it turns out it's just it's just um Ishmael, Ishmael, and he's like, "I, uh, sent me here so I can get rid of your visions." Again, this is just it's just like almost every it's staggering how much they managed to add in this show because it's like this whole subplot of like uh, men hating her vision so much that she needs to like be a dark friend, be a dark yeah, like work with the work with the villains, the the bad guys to to get rid of them. That comes out of nowhere. That's just nothing. Yeah, her, uh, they make her ants like exploit her. Yeah, I guess. I guess it it seems to imply that in the past her ants, yeah, like used her as source of income because people would come pay for their fortunes. Yeah, that's like the opposite of how it went in the. They hide it specifically. Which is that the, her community kind of shuns her because of them. 
and they'd make a point just like Elias because I said I would want her to like yeah. fucking test her. Also, and the ants are like normal now. The ants are like fine and nice people. They seem yeah nice. Uh, what that's, else? That's oh, uh, the whole point people you're not supposed to, and everyone has a vision at every time because it's very it's like for certain moments for certain people. And here the mo- images aren't usually very cut and dry. Like you stab your friend with a knife. Yeah, only sometimes can she actually know what they will mean. Yeah, they're usually like symbolic, like metaphorical. Yeah, they're always symbolic, and then sometimes it, it's apparent to her, whether just through practice and like interpretation of the I don't know metaphors or whatever at play, mm-hmm. or sometimes it seems like it's just inherent, like she just knows what they mean, and sometimes she doesn't. Yeah, but not everyone has one. That's the thing. It's not. I don't even think most people do. Yeah, and I think it's only for specific moments. Like it's for important things. And obviously, mm-hmm. all our important characters have them because they're the most important people and sometimes she'll see something on someone and then not see it again or like later she'll see a different thing right yeah or sometimes it's you get one thing and every time she sees you you still have it kind of thing it's like, really... like hey like Logan's pot in the book yeah every time he wants to kill himself she's like he's gonna have he's got a crown and stuff so he's, he's in... glory in his future so I don't know um again just a completely additional thing and to be like oh we need men to like fuck with Matt basically okay fine um Leandrin, and uh, again, another heart to heart. Uh, in case we didn't, like, fucking beat it into my... Put it in case we didn't get this through, like, the three other scenes that are driving into this point, we need Leandrin to, t- to literally just say out loud to Nynaeve, it sucks that we get old and the people we love don't, and they grow old and die and we don't. That's, like, one of the burdens we bear, as I said I. Okay, fine. Um, And she's like, by the way, your friends are captured in Falma. How does she know this? unclear but then this spurs naive to be like well we have to go help Perrin uh, our friend which okay loyal classic naive um not quite how it goes in the book but that's fine yeah good enough for me uh and then Egwene's like well I'm gonna come and then Elaine's like I'm gonna come too and they're all come but then Leandrin was evil holy oh shit who could have seen this coming and she's like us. sorry I gotta knock you guys out and then she's got the most angular face you've ever seen he does oh, it's... uh she also says so we've been complaining a lot before we move on to the horrible land scene where he's wearing a jumper, like a, a jumpsuit or <laughs> of some kind. Um, he looks like, G- he's dressed like Jesus. Like a, he does look a lot like Jesus. Um, you know, kind of fucking Borderlands Jesus. Uh, but the exp- cause we've, we've been talking about all last season and all this season, how they didn't make the magic separate because maybe you can't do that now, blah, 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 whatever. Wokeness and, you know, woke go broke or whatever the fuck. Um, Hollywood agenda. Hollywood agenda. Blah blah blah. Ben Shapiro Barbie movie won't make a billion dollars. Even I though it, it did. We all we all know. Yeah. Um, so you can't have Sidine and Sidar. Fine. So just give an explanation. Um, so Leandrin Leandrin gives an explanation to Nynaeve because she's red and evil. Because they all kind of evil. Uh, she's like, you know, we have to. The men go crazy. The men are corrupted by the dark because they go crazy. So that's why we have to g- gather them up and you know cut them off and make them kill themselves because they're inherently crazy if they channel. Which doesn't. She says they're corrupted by the dark one because of, of their the madness. Madness, which what? feels like somebody didn't like fact check that line to like swap those two words because it would make I don't know infinitely more sense if they were mad because they were corrupted by the dark. They're like it's like a circular logic. Right? Yeah. They're corrupted because they're evil because they're corrupted because they're evil? Because they're corrupted. But, like, why? What does that mean? Yeah, why? Why? Why them? If they're all channeling the same magic, why can't they see it? Yeah, there's just no... Because it kind of... Well, like, I feel like we've just looped back around, though. Like, they've not really sidestepped anything at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Have they? 
No, they just have just not said it. So they've made it in, in theory more confusing. Because again, if if the if my uh, reasoning basically is correct, and they are unwilling to say that the one power is split distinctly into a male and female half, because that like is kind of I don't know more controversial now than it was in the '90s because of what we know now about gender and sex and all that. If that's if that's the, is the logic, which is what I've always assumed in the show here of why they don't want to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Then basically saying, but still somehow the magic system still somehow works so that every time a man tries to do it, he goes crazy. You have just split it into male and female halves, anyways, haven't you? Mm-hmm. You've just done it in not so many words. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Um. They do a scene where the warders are all sitting there meditating or whatever, and the younger warder leaves, and the older Alana warder's like, ah, he's so young and jovial, but we're so quiet, and we have the conversations with ourselves. Just a lot of fucking nothing being said, frankly. I don't don't know why this scene's included. It doesn't... I don't know what it advances. Lange is like, ah, I can't believe... Right, again. Maureen doesn't like me. And the warder's like, well, they can, they're like gods, so you have to remind them they're not gods. That's not your role, actually. Your role is to actually make them more, um, more like bold and arrogant because they have a giant, they have the, one of the best fighters in the world <laughs> as their bodyguard, always around. Mm. People are afraid of warders and Aes Sedai because they're very dangerous and yeah. scary. I mean, that's kind of the implicit thing, uh, uh, the unspoken idea behind Aes Sedai, for better or worse, is yeah, they power. That what they're saying, people listen to them because they can blow you. They up. know that, yeah. It's not lo- just respect for the institution they represent, but like it is. But like again, that all kind of inherently is entwined in the idea that these are these are wizards. These are like ma- magic users who can do stuff that we can't. Mm-hmm. If they wanted to, they. C- I mean, they all. Everybody inherently remembers the breaking. Yeah. But if if even ha- like all the men went crazy and almost killed humanity. Uh, but they find the note in Lan's pocket, and they're like, what's this about? Oh, my God, Lanfear. And then Moraine has to talk with her sister, and her sister's like, actually, I'm smart. smart now. You abandoned us to be an Aes Sedai, and that's cool, but that's not cool. I'm not actually cool with it. Is she cool with it or not? Do you know what I mean? Because she's yeah. like, listen, uh, you had to go do your thing, and I did that my thing, and that's fine, but fuck, fuck you, you anyway. basically. <laughs> I it's hate like, you. Wait, so are you mad at her or not? It sounds like Moraine bears no animosity for you. She's not like, oh, I left and you dumbass had to stay. She's just like, listen, we went our own ways. But then her sister's like, and we went our own ways and I thought that was fine, but fuck you. I hate you. You're the worst possible. You abandoned us, I guess. And she's like. They do a little bit of a, they Maureen's, would be blood? Moraine's literally like, well, you, you know, you did better than I would have done, probably. And she's like, and I would have, and I don't need your approval anymore. Would and you- that's why I need you to sit here and, and apologize to me. And, ask, and have tea with me and ask me for my help. And also, I took all your spies, even though your spies are from the White Tower itself. So they, they would have never... nothing to do... Yeah, it's not They really. would never bow to me. <sighs> Again, this is another scene where um, I just really want to... Yeah, that's like, why? Way more What's, important things we could for? be doing. What's the... Why Why do we need this? Again, we already did the girl stuff. They're, they're captured by Leandrin, uh, Ishamayo. Um, and then the, so then the episode ends... Um, well, there's a great scene. There's a wonderful scene where they read out the prophecy, and Lan- and who may possibly Landfear, who knows, is having sex with Randon. Well, before that, though, I was just gonna say the part oh, where right. like 
a, a trial or a, a fate attacks them and they're like, Oh my god, a fade and, and Rand's like Stand back, baby, stand, I got stand this. Stand back, babe. And I'll handle this. And then he kills it with fire and then she's like, Oh my god, you have fire and we have this again, it's just like this type of fucking drama I can't do. I just I don't know what it is. I don't know what my problem is. Maybe it's a me thing. Possibly. I just you don't like bad things. All these construct like it's just too much. I don't know something about the dialogue, maybe the way it's. Di- I don't know if it's the the scripts or the performances or some combination thereof. But it's just like and and again the inherent nagging thought in the back of my mind of like why do these scenes need to exist? Mm-hmm. And then we just go fucking oh my god, Rand, how could you do this? Oh, you're Tim, and he's like, so, but I'm not. I'm. I'm good inside, and I didn't want you to think of me as a monster. Ah, no. She's like, oh, you're not a monster. I love you. Ah. And then, but then, yeah, the very next scene, it's like, like, I'm this a monster, one was too. Here, in case we weren't, you weren't a dead certain by now. We're in a cut between them. Reading out the prophecy. And in case that still wasn't clear enough, then Maureen's going to roll in and tell him. Roll in, stab her through the chest with a sword, which shocked me. I was shocked to laughter. And then slits her throat, and it's like, all right, uh, we can't. We, but I can't kill her. That's new. I mean, in the books, they're just, they are human beings yeah. at the end of the day, right? At the at the end of the day, they are still just human beings. And um, when you stab them, they tend to die. Yeah, they don't like that. We actually, actually, a couple of them get got in that very way. You stab them through the heart and then slit their throat. They'd be, I mean, that's kind of <laughs> the end. They should be a dead person. Now, maybe this is a play off the idea that in the in the books, the, the dark one um, can, can bring them. you back to life, basically. Um, so maybe it's that. Is just kind of playing off of that of like, oh, you can't kill them because they didn't come back to life. But it's not really that. It's different in the books. They bring you back in new bodies. Yeah, and like a new body with your soul. It's it's not quite clear. We I don't even think we know the mechanism yet. He might have to steal a body. It's not super. Yeah, clear. Yeah, but whatever, fine. And so now, now at least Rand and Moraine have reunited. I don't know how that's gonna go though, because is she just gonna be like, all right, now we gotta go back to Kyrie and see you can just hang out with Logan again and he can teach you. That would seem. Ill-advised. Not, yeah, the, the bad way of doing this now that she's like just barely saved him from Landfear. Surely she's going to be on their tail. But. Maybe uh, maybe they'll just grab Loghain and they'll heal him, and then he'll be able to teach Rand for real, like Asmodian did. But they get her and they say the prophecy from the second from the second book. Blood. Daughter of Night walks again or whatever. She's, she's, she's got a new boyfriend and she likes him a lot and she's going to kill him, but he's going to save her and... Um, Blood and you know a lot of blood. The ancient war, whatever. It's a lot of blood everywhere. I think. Yeah, and it's very messy. Blood, it's very bloody. Ooh, so bloody. Ooh, ooh, icky. Um, she says, "What else?" That she's the strongest. Oh yeah, she's she's the strongest forsaken. I don't think that's true. Slightest. Let's bring it up. Because Ishamael's the one who's uh, but bust out the ranking. Yeah, I meant to bust out the rank. If you didn't know, all the all the people have been ranked. Wheel of Time power ranking. Let's look at Tor.com. Strength chart of major challenge. This is what I looked up last time. Okay, so Lanfear is on the same level as Semarag. Okay. Um, so she is a step above uh, Sindane, which is herself. <laughs> Masana and Grendel. So she is a step above. Um, who's Mogidian? Is Mogidian like kind of trash? Oh, yeah. I guess Mogidian's a good good ways down. Is she the number one? Is she like the top? Lanfear? Like num- whatever the Yeah, Lanfear is at strength level one. Nice. For a Sidar, that is. Along with Olivia and Semarag. Sinde, Masana, Grendel, Sharina, Malloy. I don't know who that is. Talon, Dingillan. I don't know who that is either. <laughs> Talon. She must be a Windfinder. Yeah. Um, Nynaeve's actually third down, so she's, she's a couple of steps below. Yeah, I would have thought she would have been two over one at least. Oh, my God. Probably to be 800, Olivia would. Goodness gracious. Where's the men? 
Show me men. I want to see men. Yeah. So, um, all of the all of the Forsaken, all of the male Forsaken are above her. Damn. Are they all teamed up? Are they all ranked with Rand? I know Demandre is. Yeah. So Rand is was on the same level as Moradin, which is Shotmael. Um, but better. And Ravine, which I didn't know Ravine was was a shooter like that because he really got that out. dog in him. He gets taken out like a punk. So. He runs away to Dreamland and Rand just um, chases him. Agnor slash Ashtangar, who also gets taken out like the biggest fucking punk in the whole <laughs> fucking book. Uh, he's literally has the weakest. Both of his deaths are weak as hell. Yeah, fucking level one Rand. He's like, <laughs> I don't know what to use my powers. He gets nuked by later him. on a fucking. Random dark friend. Random Aes Sedai is like, let me just take care of that. In the Rashim circle, is like, I'll use a little bit of Kalanda random. Boop, boop. It's the Shiva. Boop, got him. Whatever. The dark one's like, I can't um, use you anymore. Demon Dread, Samael, Loghain, and Taim are all on the second tier. And then third tier down is Bathamel slash Arngar, Asmodian, and Taim. I don't know why Taim gets two. It says Taim possible is three plus or possible is two. Or... Well, it's plus plus two or plus plus three. You could be either one of those. I guess it's unclear. And then Bilal is plus plus four. So Bilal's ass. Yeah, but I mean, he also got to take on like a punk. I mean, but, but he's but he's like he's a chump. Isn't he like gross and weird? He's like a gremlin man, right? No, Bilal's I think is a normal one. Oh, it was um Aaron Garzold body. Yeah, he, one of the ones who was at the four. Because he was like at the Bilal's top. Bilal's the one who's just like chilling and Warren Tear. just walks in and kills him. Nukes. He's like, whoa. Dark was like, I guess he's gone. So. That's because, again, within the books, which, again, is also probably something they wanted to kind of um, temper a little bit in the show here, is is all almost all men are better than almost all women. Like The men get powerful way faster, like exponentially. Yeah. And the ceiling on men is way higher. Um, and the floor is way higher, basically. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, um, all that was the, the really nerdy way for us to say. I don't know why they said Lanfear's the <laughs> most dangerous. I I, again, surely a Shamael who was first among them then is and was still away and released her from also, prison. Yeah, he was he's the one who let her out because he's been out this whole time wreaking havoc on the world in this in the centuries since. Like he orchestrated the Trolloc Wars and the fall of Arthur Hawkwing and stuff like that. So the it's Aiel not, War? No, I don't think so. That wasn't him? He's like, Man, I, I should have thought of that. Maybe it was. Maybe I mean, he was like, okay, you should cut that tree down. Be really I cool think even even better he's like, Oh, they're doing a I should have I should have thought of that. It's, it's unclear if he was out or not then, right? Because he comes out in like... Spurts. Based on some kind of cycle. I don't remember. I said, oh, I said yeah. that last week. I, didn't, I forgot to look it back up. but I don't know. Uh, so yeah. Hopefully we get some actual fucking... Because if, again, if you look at what Rand's done this season, unbelievable. Okay, he, I just Here's the thing. We're halfway through the season. done with this entire fucking season already. I cannot understate, overstate rather, how baffling that is to me. I really did. I believed when, like, we were so hopeful. Rand was like, or the guy who plays Rand, I should say. I mean, I don't know his name, but I keep seeing like a thing, like where they're like, "Oh, watch the before the." I don't know. There's like an ad for a different for like the other thing. I don't know. There's like an ad for the show before the show. I don't even know what the fuck it was. It's unimportant. But he's like, season one was base season two, so much bigger, and thus far, so much smaller. No one's gone anywhere or done anything yet. It's like I really thought that this. I, I said this last week when, when we talked about the first three, but it's only exacerbated by this week's episode, which is like, I really thought that we were going to maybe like start really speeding things up and, and work through a couple books, maybe in this book. Yeah. Or in this season, I should say. And it's somehow it's like. And, well, in a way, we're kind of doing that because they're grabbing Lance plot from, ooh, kind of swords, winner's heart, and just kind of 
shoving it into Great Hunt. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't know. Just don't get it. Talk about masking the bomb. We didn't talk about that. Yeah. Who cares? Because that's even that's almost the worst part. I feel not even the fact that it, it just basically isn't the wheel of time. It's just kind of like uh like wearing like the dismembered corpse of the wheel of time on its shoulders, trying to mm-hmm. convince you. Much like um the ape from the last book of Narnia, wearing a lion's cloak <laughs> and pretending to be the Antichrist, perhaps. No, no, the ape is the one who orchestrates it, but he puts oh that on, on a donkey. donkey. Yeah, so it's the you, ape and the donkey. I haven't read it, um, and I never will. Uh, so yeah, it's just like a charade. It's a, it's a, it's a horrible, horrible pastiche of the Wheel of Time. It's it's like that guy in the. Fl- it's like when they show that Superman actor in the Flash who killed himself. It's like if that was the Amazon TV show of a book series <laughs> I liked. Again, yeah, I can't overstate how like nothing's happened yet. I really thought we would be like. I thought the IO were going to be a massive role in this because they cast Avienda. I thought cast Avienda like that was one of the first things we got. About season two was like, look, we have our Aiel characters, so I guess they still they have to show up. I God only knows how, what what that will what the look impetus like. of this would be, why they would leave the threefold land. But again, we were we were honestly convinced that our characters weren't going to meet at Falma because the show separated them even more so than the book did. Because in the book, the boys are together. the boys are all together, and the girls are all together, and then they meet, and it's it, that's easier to pull off. In the show, they went out of their way to separate all three of the guys, only to seemingly, perhaps, bring them all, to bring them all back to Falma anyways, um, just for the climax of the Great Hunt to happen, which will then not include Aiel at all, or it shouldn't, it ought to not. No, I would hope not. Uh, Pet and Fane will maybe be a factor, he's only shown up once. Yeah, we just saw him look creepy at the at The, the dream girl. So, I, I really thought that... We, Rand was basically going to start the season like he was going to beeline right for the threefold lane. I don't know if there was ever reason given for that or if, if I had any reason to believe that. I feel like something happened in the finale that made us think that. Right? I think because he just makes a beeline out of the blight. Yeah. And the threefold lane is right by the blight. That's true. I don't like this show very much, man. Again, it's it's perhaps it's impossible for us to be objective about it. We like the book so much because we like the book, and they are taking so many liberties. But I really do feel, and it's and it's hard. It can be hard as as a fan of something that's being adapted to dis to separate when a choice being made is bad versus just different. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of these are both. And it's unfor- and sometimes that's just the way she goes. That's the way this one goes. Yeah. Ooh, we got anything else to say? No, I don't. Perfect. So we're going to write about here. As always, thanks so much for listening. You may have noticed that we did two topics, but still went for two hours. Because um, it's a thing we like and a thing we hate. So thanks for listening all the way through. Uh, as always, you can find us wherever you find your podcasts. If you want to contact us on social media, you can find us on X at Akatech Jazz. It's Akatech J-A-Z on Gmail at Akatech Jazz at gmail.com or on Instagram at The Akatech Podcast. <clears throat> Our intro was done by Joey B., you can find him on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Instagram. That's uh, all capitals on all those letters. Um, our logo is in by Jeffrey Gonzalez. You can always find him at inkocean.jpg on Instagram or on Redbubble. And as always, we wrote it, we produced it, we built all the sets. Say goodnight to the people, Zach. Good night. Good night, and Godspeed. <laughs>